0: My name's Red, and I want to tell you about the Transformers.
1: My curiosity is aroused. No more than it
2: These fools worship Transformers.
3: Decepticons, transform and rise up. Robots with emotions.
2: Robots can die. Arrest.
4: Hello, folks, and welcome back to Transformers Tuesdays, the fan spin spin-off show where we talk Transformers all the time, every time. I'm going to be your host, uh, Mike. Uh, tonight, we're going to be talking about an IDW uh, miniseries, uh, a sequel to. Uh, a critically acclaimed and quite popular uh, miniseries they released uh, years back that we also talked about on the FanHoles podcast. Uh, this is Sins of the Wreckers, and as I mentioned, it, it is the sequel to Last Stand of the Wreckers. Roadbuster, Pyro, Impactor, rotostorm Storm, all dust. That's what I'm talking about. Wreckers or Autobots, there just aren't that many of us left. Before I go into it any further, though, uh, I, I, I guess we should have a roll call of the people who will be horribly killed in this podcast tonight. Uh, why don't you guys all say hello before you get horribly killed?
2: Hey, what's up? My name's Derek, Derek WC. I am going to be smushed between a transforming cog. Thank you.
0: This is Justin. The seeds of the future lie buried in Prowl's ass.
1: Uh, hey, this is Tony. If you have a favorite character at the beginning of this series, they will probably die by the end.
4: They'll probably die, or some horrible, horrible truths will be revealed about them. Yes. So yeah, like, like I said, Sins of the Wreckers is the sequel to Last Stand of the Wreckers, um... It is written, but, and drawn by Nick Roach, with colors by Josh Burcham. Uh, It ran from November 2015 to June 2016. Uh, There there was a delay of two months in between issues three and four because Nick Roach had some family matters to attend to. Um, It serves as both a direct sequel to Last Stand and a general culmination of virtually all the plot points that Nick Roach has introduced into IDW Transformers continuity. Uh, since his like very first written work for it, basically uh, Spotlight Cup. For the continuity minded, the events of this series take place between issues, I think it's 45 and or 44 and 45 of John Barber's Transformers series. Uh, in issue 45 of that book, there is a brief scene of Cup and Arcee returning from somewhere, and Jetfire wondering aloud where they were. So, like, if you if you were wondering where exactly this fits, like, you know, RC and Cup left, like, in between issues and came back at the beginning of the next issue. So, yeah, it's
1: seamless. <laughs> they went to the the most horrible peace conference in the entire. Yeah. I guess
4: so, yeah. But, um. Anyhow, like you know, I I was really looking forward to this series. uh Nick Roach is probably like my second favorite Transformers artist, and I think he's a pretty skilled writer as well. And I'm sure we'll get into specifics about that pretty soon. But there's one general question I wanted to get your guys' take on before we start, and it, it was sort of a bone of contention with people about this series. And like some people really liked it, and some people really hated it, and I think it bears a little bit of discussion, but. Do you guys, did you guys take notice or of all and have any strong feelings about Josh Burcham's colors in this series? Because it seems like he was, like, specifically going for a, like, certain, like, gray, muddy, like, muted feel. And if you compare it to, like, his other, like, coloring work, there's a pretty noticeable difference. So, like, I'm just in general, did you guys take notice of this? Did you think it, like, either served the story or hurt the story? Like, what?
1: Um, I, I would say it definitely uh, gave me flashbacks of Spotlight Cup, as you mentioned, because that issue had a kind of a muddy, kind of a uh, dark coloring uh, scheme to it as well. And, and uh, there is a, a, a good chunk of this story that's about Cup. So maybe, I don't know, maybe that was kind of intentional to like have that. And also, I mean, it is a depressing story. So I guess to have it, you know, four color, like Sunbow cartoony colors might have been a little you know, anti-mood. I, 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 th- I thought the, the colors worked really well for the story. I thought it was not supposed to be a story where you're like, yay, go team! It was like, you know, crap, everything sucks, so the colors, you know, besides like uh, the noise maze, which we'll talk about later on, yeah,
2: I mean, the colors were really drab, but I, I think it, it really did fit the tone of the story. I mean, it's not a it's not a Coca-Cola polar bear that we're looking at. It's a socialist revolutionary polar bear so there's going to be lots of grays in the in the story i suppose but yeah that that would be my only take on it like did i did i notice it i i guess maybe not but now that you're mentioning it like i mean it what you're saying would seem to fit at least the tone of the story you know that the, if if he if he changed up his coloring style for the purposes of tone i i think it was successful i mean in terms of the tone.
0: I don't think I noticed, you know, kind of like Derek, until you pointed it out, really.
4: Yeah, that's like, I I noticed it in the first issue, and like some people were really like, you know, some people said like, oh, this is like, you know, quote unquote like there's two ends of the spectrum where it's like some people are like this is stylistically like brilliant and bold like and then (laughs) some people are like you know uh, you know what I think it kind of hurts the art but yeah I I was kind of in between like I think it worked sometimes and I think it other times it might have like you know been better to like yeah make it brighter but no yeah I think it I think it was okay though in general like it didn't distract me from reading it
1: it did it do like it did for, like, that's the only reason I even noticed it is because, like, the first couple times we see Cup, um, he does look, I mean, obviously Nick Roach, you know, drew both of, both you know, these uh, comics, so he's going to have that similar look that Nick Roach gives him, but it did remind me of the color palette of the, the Cup spotlight, I mean, did it kind of harken back to that, to you too?
4: Yeah, like, and, you know, like, in scenes where it's, like, in Tarantulas' lair... Like you know, I think the drab colors like worked, and obviously like Derek was like implying like the wilds of Alaska aren't exactly like bright anyway. So you know, I, I think that pretty much fit. Yeah. So anyway, I, I wanted to get that out of the way because it seemed to be a point of discussion with many people about this series. But um, um, before we get into the series proper, I did I did offer you guys a couple of like supplemental stories that were included in the Last Stand of the Wreckers hardcover that kind of serve as prequels to this series. Uh, it was two short comic strips, one entitled Escape, which focused on Impactor and Guzzle, and one uh, titled In Word and Deed, which focused on Verity Carlo, and then there was a text story, Zero Point, focusing on Springer and Roadbuster. And uh, I, I don't know actually exactly who read what, but like it, and I don't want to get into it like too much, but... Any thoughts on these? Like, were they helpful? Did they add to the, like, larger tapestry or whatever?
2: I I think they did. I think they did add to the larger tapestry. Like, I, I I know I was making jokes about having to, like, read a text story and everything. But I think some of the nuances in that text story, whether it was the whole, you know, Matrix Blue Eyes or, you know, Roadbuster reading to Springer and going through that whole kind of bedside manner that he had for springer and you know any of that kind of nuance i i feel like it it added to you know i basically read that first the the you know the the one or two page you know comic strips you know essentially and then the text story and then i went ahead and read sins of the wreckers and and i think it did definitely add some some layers and and in some cases maybe helped refresh my memory, because I think, you know, it's been a long time since I've read Last Stand of the Records myself, too, so I think it it also kind of helped me, you know, dip my toe in the pool, I guess, so to speak. Yeah.
4: I think... Like especially the two comic strips, I think you kind of like had to read them to like understand what Impactor and Guzzle had been doing in that like the whole time like in between stories, and also like the fact that even the, even the like the very pertinent fact that Verity had like an extra copy of like the uh, the uh, the Data Slug or whatever like that that was not revealed like anywhere else. So.
1: Yeah, I, I read the two. Uh-huh. Uh... Uh, illustrated stories. Unfortunately, due to time constraints, I did not read the text story. Uh, But, uh, yeah, I I think the two, I guess you would say, preludes, uh, yeah, they do help fill in some chunks that if you didn't know, going into, like, the uh, proper story, it would kind of make you scratch your head, you know, and be like, you know, you really would think that, you know, Verity, like, you know, why is she important to this? You know, why, why is, like, you know, uh rc hunting her down just because like you know what does she have on you know that kind of stuff so that i think that did help a lot i think the the preludes definitely uh gave uh some insight to it as far as the tech story i do have to read it um i have no problem reading tech stories but uh i just didn't have time unfortunately but i I do want to check it out it does sound interesting I have total problems reading text
2: stories. <laughs> I had to read five whole pages. No, it was, it was, it was, I, I think it was pretty well written. I, I, I like the way they structured it with the little Autobot symbols so you could know, like, when things were changing and everything but i i did sort of breathe a sigh of relief because like sometimes like i mean i know who springer is and i know who prowl is and i know who cup is and i know who some of the other characters are but it it's always more helpful once i actually read the first issue of the comic where i'm like oh yeah that's what roadbuster looks like and you know oh yeah that's what impactor looks like and and those kind of things so i think sometimes when i'm reading text stories I'm I'm lazy because I don't want to, like, you know, try to remember what they look like. So I, I was just kind of, you know, <laughs> it, it's like I was I was going through it a little bit blind. But for the most part, like I think uh, I, I think those extra beats and bits added to my enjoyment of, you know, the overall mini series. though, I, I did kind of it, it seemed like I guess if you took it on its own merit, you know, you, you start with Springer in, essentially, uh, a Transformers coma, right? And by the end of it, he's not in the coma. Whereas, I think, in the course of the miniseries, he's still in the coma when you start it, and then, you know, a long... The ride, then he comes out of the coma. So it's not. I, I. I mean, I guess in some cases, like maybe the reason why some of those stories, whether it was Verity's, you know, one pager or you know, the the two pager or the text story, maybe some of the reasons why those were excised is because, in some sense, they're kind of like, like from your perspective, they're set up that might be essential to understanding the story, but maybe it was also thought of as, as spoilery, if that makes any sense. Like, maybe maybe they wanted there to be some kind of mystery to some of those aspects, I guess. Like, you didn't... Like, like basically, like, I, I kind of knew going into it, Springer was going to wake up out of his coma eventually. But I suppose if you went in reading this story you might assume that anyway whether you had read the text piece or not like i, I don't know exactly but but i i i feel like maybe that might have been the reason why some of those beats were excised from last Stand yeah. of the Records. i mean well these, you know these, I, it's just a... these
4: stories were only available in the hardcover edition of last stand of the records so that's probably like they probably figured not everyone would have read them so but justin did you read any of them nope <laughs> that's
1: okay, nope. that's okay. It's,
4: it's hard enough getting you on one of these transformer shows anyway so but i'm so i am disappointed that derek read the text story and you didn't
2: though i have to tell you but that's you have failed the city it's, a, it's a, i'm, I'm a, always happy i'm always happy to be a disappointment no no <laughs> no I, i'm proud of you i'm disappointed in you <laughs>
4: Derek read more words than Justin? Like, what is this world coming to?
1: Yeah, I don't know. It's kind of strange. See, Justin, this is why I keep expectations low on myself, so when I do fail, no one cares.
0: Hey, I read three books this week. I don't know what you guys are talking about. (laughs) (laughs)
1: You
0: you want me to talk about, like, the causes and, you know, the casualties and everything that happened in, like, the battle for, like, the Alamo? Because, like, that's one of the books I read this week, so, like... I can tell you all about that, but like this, like, since the record's prelude, like, I have no clue.
2: <laughs> we don't all, care all, about all this.
4: That. As far as this I... podcast goes, the Alamo is irrelevant. Like, only Garris 9 matters.
1: <laughs> I don't care about your Jim Bowie and Davy Crockett. <laughs> <laughs>
2: i don't know i don't know mike the alamo might be very relevant but but we we'll 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 see
4: all right then well like i guess we'll get into the story and like i i guess i've structured it i've written a a a summary for each issue so i guess we'll go like issue by issue so uh i will read issue one summary tell grimlock
3: about petro rabbits again i'll give you Petro rabbits.
4: Within Arc 7, which is currently orbiting the Earth, RC detects the currently rogue Prowl on the Earth's surface, and his signal just as quickly vanishes from sensors. She attempts to find Cup, but he too is missing from Ark 7. RC detects Cup floating in space nearby and recovers him, asking what happened. Cup isn't too sure, he suffered a blackout and floated off the ship's hull. Arcee comes to the conclusion that Prowl's disappearance and Cup's blackout are somehow related. Meanwhile, on Debris, the Wrecker's space station headquarters, Impactor has locked his former partner Guzzle up in a detention box. Guzzle's gone off the deep end, having become a murderous liability during their travels together. As Guzzle rages inside the box, Impactor and Roadbuster share laments about their current status as babysitters. Or, in Roadbuster's case, a caregiver to the comatose Springer. Roadbuster thinks that they must be growing as people that they're both so concerned about their comrades' welfare, be it mental or physical. Impactor suggests a change of scenery, and the two wreckers depart for another area of debris. Back on Arc 7, Arcee and Cup manage to breach Prowl's sealed quarters when Cup proves strangely and instinctively able to override Prowl's security. They go through his mail and discover messages from their human ally Verity Carlo, threatening to blackmail Prowl with a data slug filled with data from Akitas, which was entrusted to her by Iron Fist before his death. The Akitas data contains information on Autobot war crimes, and Verity has threatened to release it unless Prowl comes to Earth to meet with her. A holographic message of Prowl is triggered in which he states that he has been compromised, and to seek out the one Autobot he trusts to recover him, Springer. Arcee is frustrated after having worked under Prowl for so long that he didn't trust her, and when Cup tries to call Debris to check on Springer's status, Arcee knocks him out and prepares to go to Earth alone. In an unknown location, Prowl wakes up and ventures outside where he finds a trippy, mind-twisting atmosphere that assaults his senses and brings him to his knees. A shadowy figure standing over him welcomes him to the noise maze. In the wastes of Nome, Alaska, a stricken Verity Carlo is on the run. A polar bear is hunting her, and just as it catches up, a police car arrives, transforms into Autobot Stakeout, and dropkicks the bear. Stakeout reveals himself to be a deputy of the Terresta Court, and Verity's guardian assigned to to watch her by Ultra Magnus after the Garrus-9 mission. The two had parted under unknown circumstances, but they share a tender reunion as Stakeout drives Verity out of the wilderness. Whatever sickness is ailing Verity becomes worse in the presence of Transformers, which is why Stakeout left her, and now he implores her not to release the Akitas data, as it will potentially restart the war. Before Verity can argue the point any further, the road before them explodes, upending Stakeout. Verity crawls out of him to see a raging Arcee demanding Prowl's location just before she passes out from the pain. Back on Arc 7, Cup is reawakened and sends an impassioned and personal message directly to the comatose Springer, ordering him to wake up, but there is seemingly no response. On Debris, Impactor and Roadbuster hang around in the Wrecker's personal mausoleum, where Impactor has already set up a grave for himself. Remember that, that'll be important later. Impactor broaches the subject of taking Springer off life support and letting him expire with some measure of dignity, a notion that Roadbuster angrily dismisses. The two are joined by Hubcap, Debris' station administrator and a communications savant who nervously tells them that Guzzle is going to escape from his box soon. Before anything more on this discussion can progress, an alarm sounds throughout the station that indicates Springer's life support has shut off. The three charge to the med bay and despite some initial hesitation for Roadbuster, they walk in only to find that Springer is missing from his bed. Back on Earth in an abandoned warehouse, Arcee interrogates Verity about Prowl's disappearance, and the human girl claims to have nothing to do with it, but she's more than happy to rejoice at the thought of Prowl getting his comeuppance for his various machinations and crimes. Arcee threatens to destroy the Akita's data slug, but Verity doubles over in pain, indicating that more Transformers are nearby. RC marches outside to find Springer apparently recovered and awake at the fore of the latest ragtag incarnation of the Wreckers. So that is issue one. So anyone have any initial thoughts?
1: Uh, I, w- I will say, like, as depressing as this story can get later on as we go on, totally happy Springer's back. Hey, uh, I uh, have posted on the uh, forum we post at Bot Talk, uh, more than a few times in the like, five years, Mike, is that how yes, long he's been gone?
4: Yeah, 2010, I believe, last Dan came out.
1: Yeah. So more than that, yeah. Yeah, so like, yeah, six years. And uh, I, I like Springer. Springer is one of my favorite characters. I've always liked Springer. He, he's definitely like, you know, I don't know, top 10, but definitely top 20. I've always enjoyed the character. So him coming back was definitely like one of the few highlights you get out of this. Um, I will wax mournfully later, but uh, I like Stakeout. Stakeout's really cool. He's probably the most human Transformer I've seen in a comic in a long time. He just has this like very. Uh, I'm trying to think of the right way to put it. He he talks like a Transformer sometimes. He's like he's like you know you know as a duly deputized you know representative of the Tirest Accord and all that stuff. He's like you're a pain in the ass. You know he's like he, he's he's very you know. Personable, he's a nice guy. He's a he's, nice bot. He's got a great entrance too. He drop kicks a polar bear. <laughs> exactly, yeah, yeah. And and and, and uh, for anybody who doesn't know, anybody who's not up on their Transformers, uh, Stakeout is originally a Micromaster. and that's kind of cool. That he's also a smaller bot in this. He he's not a Micromaster. I'd say he'd be like a mini bot, I guess you would say, as far as his stature. But yeah, it was cool that he got introduced, and um, yeah, I I did like the the interplay between Roadbuster and Impactor. Um, it, it's interesting how they've really delved at Impactor because, like in Marvel, he was basically there just to be the guy who led the 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 Wreckers until he died, so Springer could take over, more or less. And you know he he's played a bigger part like in uh, the previous miniseries and this miniseries, and it was it was nice to have him with Roadbuster, who's like kind of a stalwart of the the Wreckers, and that that was really kind of cool. I, I will say at this point in the series, as far as IDW goes, Verity Carlo has turned into probably one of my more enjoyable characters, as far as the humans. And I was never really big on Jimmy Pink, Hunter O'Neill, he was okay, Spike can be a dick or okay, depending on the fucking issue, and you know, it, like, a lot of the humans are, you know, like, besides, like, you know, uh, Melissa uh, Fairborn, who's kind of okay, I, I'm, I'm okay with her, like, a lot of the humans are kind of dicks. So it's kind of nice that we have, like, a character who is is relatable. You know, she's sick. She has this seemingly, like, evil plan for Prowl, but Prowl is a dick. And I'm saying this about one of my favorite characters, who's definitely a top-10 character for me. But I don't hold that against her, because Prowl can be a dick. But uh, this first issue sets it up really nicely. Um, You definitely get the sin vibe coming that like yeah there's going to be some shit you know exposed and and out of the gate you know we already have guzzle whose whose mind is fucking bent out of shape you have impactor who who's kind of trying to be a peacenik right now he's trying not to be the violent guy he was you have roadbuster trying not to be the violent guy he was um you know springer back and we'll see how that plays out you have verity being sick and you have stakeout feeling guilt for like not taking care of her You have Cub and R.C. at each other's throats because R.C. doesn't trust Prowl and Cub is like, I don't know what's going on. I'm old. (laughs) And, you know, yeah, I I think I I think everything was really set up really well for this first issue. As far as like, here's the shit. And, you know, here's where it was a good like not you can't call it an origin issue, but it was a good starting point for this series. It was like how you like get the story. We were talking about the preludes and the text story. But how this played off is like I was I was ready to read the next issue immediately. And especially with that, of course, badass like group assemblage, which apparently now Stakeout and Hope Cap are unofficially like, you
2: know, or officially uh, the
1: newest members of the Wreckers.
2: Not knowing where the polar bear thing was going, I felt a little shocked that a Transformer accosted a polar bear. I know where it was going, and I didn't even think about it. It took me by surprise later. Derek, don't feel bad. No, I, I I had no idea where it was going. I'm not trying to spoil it until Mike gets to it. But but I did have that weird feeling of like, wait. So I I get it. Like it was potentially going to attack Verity, but like I was still kind of like, there could have been a nicer way to handle that. That's that like, robot just kicked a bear. <laughs> yeah yeah. I was I was I was a little taken aback by that. I. I have some issues with the way Guzzle is treated because I think, I, I do
1: too. I'll bring them up
2: later, but yeah, yeah. Go ahead. I, I just no no no. I mean, it's just my first impressions of it, and even in that two-page story that that's the um, the one that was in the the Last Stand trade. I mean, there there is this weird aspect where well, just because impactor is deciding to pussy out and go back on you know his his whole record and rule life doesn't necessitate that now all of it, i i don't know it, it, it's just weird it's it, it gets into that whole you know punishment redemption autocracy primacy like kind of double speak that that i i tend to kind of question because i i feel like there's there's some element of instead of it being primacy and autocracy, I think of it more as hypocrisy, you know? And, and <laughs> like, it's just kind of like one of those things I was bad. You can't be bad. Yeah, yeah. It's like, now that I've decided to lighten up my ways, now everything you do is murderous, barbaric, and wrong. And I'm just kind of like, aren't you the same fucking guy who did X, Y, and Z? Like, come on, man. Like, this, you know, like... I mean, it's like, some. sometimes you're like, I kind of get this, but at the same time, you're kind of like, but... it it just seems a little hypocritical so so those were my initial impressions was that you know kicking a polar bear threw me (laughs) off my game and and then and then as far as the rest of it goes i was i was kind of intrigued by the whole you know is verity going to release the data is she not where is prowl like all those kind of questions you had um but you know, did, I, I basically, I was I was ready to sort of go along for the ride and, and find out what what was going to come next.
4: Let me just say before Justin says what he thinks. Did let me just ask really quick: Was anyone like thrown off that like on that last page that Guzzle is like massive now, like
1: when he used to be like the shortest? Yeah, record? like you know? I didn't get that because like yeah, because like they even made a point of that in like the last day of the records that he's like a small dude with a big gun. That was like his whole thing. And, like, now he's just a big guy with a big
4: gun. <laughs> I think, like, Nick Roach just kind of explained that away, as he wanted, like a, like, a physical or visual representation of Guzzles, like, increased aggression, basically. But, like, he, and I guess one of the, the Guzzle profile that is in the last stand of the Wreckers, like, trade, says that he's, like, prone to, like, augmentation and stuff. So I guess that kind of, like foreshadows that but it it does it it does kind of go unmentioned like his like physical change
1: yeah because in the last hand of the records he's like the size of like hubcap and like iron fist and now he's like he's bigger than fucking Roadbuster.
2: (laughs) oh derek what were you gonna say Oh, I, I think I think later I I read some stuff on the the Transformers wiki that equated it to like bodybuilding or possibly like you know more like you said augmentation yeah. like that he 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 either enhanced himself or or is wearing some kind of extra armor or something like that and I I don't I don't think that occurred to me because yeah. I don't I don't know that I think of Guzzle as a. Uh, he's not springer or cup or Prowl. you know like he's not he's not somebody i don't i don't have an immediate like visual of him in my head so it didn't throw me when i first saw him or anything but i, I understand what you guys are saying because now you know now that we're talking about it and my memory is being refreshed i'm kind of like oh yeah he was a smaller bot in last stand of the Wreckers. so i i guess you know that's that's part of that kind of nomenclature they were trying to set up that you know there's a physical change along with what they're trying to present as his his change of mental state supposedly so justin what are your thoughts
0: uh i'm not really happy about how they treated cup in this issue and throughout the whole series to be quite honest it's like i'm not crazy about rc and it's like she kind of immediately like takes his wallet and then there's another event later on where another character takes his wallet and throws it out the window. So like I'm wasn't really happy about that. Well, I'll, I'll go into like more about that that other character later, but
1: uh, I I think that's like a Nick Roach thing. And like this is nothing against the story, but in Spotlight Cup, he's shown to be like this kind of broken war hero. He's like He's seen so much, and now it's just like gotten to him and everything. And
4: he, Nick Roach does like to torture Cup. It seems like yeah. it does.
1: He does, and 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 Cup is actually again one of my top ten favorite guys. I love Cup, and and you're right, Justin. It's like in this one is like RC is just like always on his ass. You know, it's like how do I know you? You got something to do with it. And like at one point, he's like, you know, get off my ass, bitch! I'm trying to help you. You know, and it's just like, dude, like what did Cup do to you in like a former life? And yeah, him getting conked on the head. I know R. C. is an uber badass assassin in the IDW universe, but I'm like, Cup is like a warhorse. He's like you know a pretty pretty stout guy, and you know like he he was you know in the records in various incarnations in IDW, and I don't think he should have got his wallet taken that easily. That that was kind of a sore
2: spot. Yeah, I I kind of I don't know if this is backing up Justin or not, but I mean given Cup's spotlight, I feel like the IDW versus Treatment of Cup has been to take his wallet as a default setting. Like, <laughs> like I, I don't know. I don't know if that's. I don't know if that's Kinda trying to yeah. excuse. I don't know if that's trying to excuse the treatment of Cup, or or if it's me backing up Justin and saying, you know, a uh, uh, quote unquote beloved Transformer character is not exactly getting the respect he deserves. But I I do feel like, you know, especially when, when, you know, I mean, Mike spelled it out pretty clearly that Nick Roche did that Transformers spotlight, and he's also gone on to do this, and and in some cases it was the art, and in some cases it's the story, but, you know, it it sort of, the trajectory would seem to make sense given who is the creative force behind it, whether you agree with that trajectory is something completely separate, I think.
1: But, like, like, Roach, I, l- I like his artwork. He, he does really good artwork, and I'm not gonna give him crap for his, his art style. But one of the characters, I don't think he draws that well, even in the Cup spotlight, and now, like, in this uh, series, he seems to draw Cup as an old man. Like, he's skinny, he looks kind of frail, and, like, I remember when he came <laughs> back originally, like, uh, in that crappy fucking vampire bullshit crossover, whatever it was, Mike, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Uh, Infestation.
2: Um, Infestation. Infestation.
1: (laughs) That
4: that ended with Cup being stranded in the dead universe for, like, what? He says it in this issue, like
2: 14 billion years or something? Yeah. They they rescue him in Dark
4: Cybertron?
2: Yeah. He's he's had his wallet taken for 14 billion years. It's like a money clip that's broken. (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) But uh, but no, but what I was going to say is, like, he, did, he, he, he like he looked kind of bulky and badass in that. You know, he looked like kind of like kind of like you know, Cartoon Cup. And I, I I don't hate the visual of how Roach draws him, but like again, like Derek said, like you know, I didn't think about it, but like as I look back on like this uh, series, I don't like Cup being a spindly kind of geriatric looking old guy who's like he's kind of like a fucking um uh, Clint Eastwood in Gran Torino he's a badass, but it's like, okay, if you hit me one time, I'm probably going to go down. I got to get my shot off first. You know, it's like, no man, Cup's cool. He's, 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 he's a badass. He was
4: one thing I think in, in Cup's favor in this issue is I really like that scene where he sends the message to like Springer and he, you know, he kind of like the, you know, it seems like an IDW, like it's him and Springer have like a deeper bond than like him and hot rod do. So like, uh, like I think that was a nice, like touching scene between him and like a protege of his,
1: yeah, yeah, he's like, I'm not asking you, I'm not begging you. I'm giving you an order, yeah, <laughs> yeah. so yeah, I mean that I mean that was a nice moment, but I, I, I mean, I do have to side with derek and and Justin like on similar things. I like I think I think cup does get kind of kind of sh- you know shit fucked on this a little bit, but I mean. It's the records, everybody gets shit fucked, so that's fair too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anything else, Justin?
0: Uh no, I'll save it for the next issue, I okay. guess. Okay.
4: Uh, the only things I wanna say is um I did I can agree with Derek that like I did not see where the polar bear thing was going and um but i did and you can check on bot talk i did correctly guess who the shadowy figure who had kidnapped prowl was as of this issue and the reason i had guessed it that's is one of my favorite transformers toys of all time and you could kind of <laughs> you could kind of see his shadowy feet and i was like that kind of looks like so and so's feet and i was like i wonder if he's the one who's kidnapped prowl and then i turned out to be right
1: so
0: like, but since we're talking about that, like I think one of my frustrations with this series is like I saw a lot of these twists coming, like the polar bear thing. Like I read into that. The who who took prowl, I read into that immediately. And the thing that's going on with cup, you know, because RC like clearly flags it a couple times. Like, I, you know, I read into that, too. I was like, I don't know how that's going to work, but this is what's going to happen. And then all those things happen, so I was kind of like, mm.
1: <laughs> Well, yeah, Justin, you also read three books this week, so you know stuff. Come on. <laughs> yeah, I can understand that, yeah. But, um... No, actually, actually, Mike and Justin, to both your credits, um, I knew what was going to happen beforehand because I saw an image that Mike posted on Bot Talk because the series been over for a while. But yeah. even without that, just the way this character speaks, I won't give it away. I'll let Mike give the uh, spoiler it did totally kind of give it away i was kind of like i know only a few characters who talk like that and i'm pretty sure i know who this guy is yeah so yeah it was it was kind of a uh i I think i think he kind of painted himself into a corner with that character because it's like to do him justice you have to do him a certain way yeah yeah and and the
4: only other point i had was um rc brings up a point at the end that i always like to see made manifest in like a transformer story and like when she's talking with verity she's like you know she kind of regards verity with disgust and says like i'm told that your kind needs to be protected like by us but you know I, i see you as a threat and like i think a threat should be met with proportional force and like i i like like that line of reasoning like i i hate when optimus prime is like you know we can't fight the humans like even though they're all shooting at us like we need to protect <laughs> them and i'm like they they can you know they can damage and kill you like it it might take them longer or harder but it, they're still a threat so like
2: i i like that like you know re, line of reasoning it's like, like haven't you uh, seen
1: uh, the live action movies they're better at killing you than each other <laughs> yeah.
2: Like the, the old Marvel comics needed IDWRC to smack yeah, exactly. them upside yeah. the head every once in a while.
4: Yeah, exactly. <coughs> yeah. yeah. So, okay, well, that that was issue one, so I will go into my synopsis for issue two.
3: Is biological or mechanical?
4: Let's investigate. We open on Cybertron. The war has ended and society is now a utopia. Optimus Prime praises Prowl for being right all along. Once everyone listened to Prowl's plans and calculations, everything fell into place and Cybertron is at last at permanent peace. Except no, because Prowl wakes up from his fantasy bound by webbing in in the middle of a darkened void. A voice echoes out from darkness, telling Prowl that he was just in a positive reinforcement prison, which feeds the occupant their fondest desire to keep them pacified. Prowl immediately recognizes the voice as belonging to someone he thought was dead, an old friend named Mesothoulis. The voice says that the name doesn't apply to him anymore, and his intent is to expose all of Prowl's secrets if he isn't given what he wants. Prowl wants proof that his blackmailer has any kind of dirt on him, and the voice promises that he will show him soon. In the Alaskan warehouse, The Wreckers argue amongst themselves about who is responsible for Prowl's kidnapping. Springer is still shaking off some bad memories of Garrus-9 and suggests the Decepticons, but Arcee tells him that things have changed in the time he he was asleep. Stakeout produces Verity's exosuit to keep her warm, and Arcee repeats that they are the chief suspects in this investigation. Just then, a wave of sickness hits Verity and she rushes outside for some air. Stakeout follows her, and the two briefly chat on a pier, with Stakeout reaffirming his bond with her. Suddenly, a rabbit bolts out and steals Verity's bag from beside her, which contained the Akita's data slug. The rabbit jumps onto the frozen water, with Stakeout quickly giving, giving chase. Verity rushes back inside to tell the others, and Impactor and Guzzle immediately set off in pursuit as well. Before anyone else can take action... Cup blacks out and collapses, then sits back up, this time talking with Prowl's voice. Prowl is using the mental pathway he, th- he had installed in Cup years ago to communicate with the wreckers. Springer is outraged by this, but Prowl tells him to zip it and gives them info on his supposed captor and clues to where he thinks he was taken, a place called the Noise Maze. The mental connection is suddenly severed and Cup regains consciousness. Springer comforts his mentor as Cup's suppressed memories have been unlocked and the old-timer is crushed by guilt at the Autobots he had unknowingly killed when he was stranded and driven mad years ago. Outside, Impactor and Guzzle drive through the wilderness. With Guzzle expressing the opinion that Prowl deserves everything he gets, and Impactor admits that it's hard to argue with that. Suddenly, a polar bear steps into their path and attacks Impactor. Guzzle uncaringly fires upon it, despite Impactor's protests that it was just a dumb animal following its instincts. But nature lies! That bear was a robot in disguise! Yes, the bear converts into the Transformer Polar Claw, and Impactor tells Guzzle, Sick him! Meanwhile, Stakeout is still chasing the rabbit that stole the data slug, and it jumps into the water. Stakeout jumps in after it, but the rabbit swims into the mouth of a massive whale. Stakeout radios for help, but a shark and a squid exit the mouth of the whale and attack him. At the warehouse, Stakeout's transmission cuts out, and the Wreckers transform and head to his rescue. Verity flies with Springer, and the two connect over their shared trauma and memories of Garris 9 Just as Verity is about to disclose something about her sickness to Springer, a wolf's howl is heard, and Springer is forcefully converted in midair to his robot mode, dropping to the ground below, paralyzed. A wolf emerges from the brush and circles the downspringer in Verity, introducing himself as Carnivac, the head of an organization called Mayhem, who uses bio-disguises to, to hide their energy signatures, and are dedicated to toppling the so-called ruling class. Carnivac is an outlier, or transformer with unique powers, that has the ability to affect someone's transformation cog and render them helpless. Impactor arrives on the scene along with Guzzle, who is still tussling with Polar Claw. Carnivac thinks that Mayhem's mission statement might speak to Impactor's sensibilities, but Impactor isn't too impressed with Carnivac's loyalty to his troops, as Guzzle is currently tearing Polar Claw a new one, and Carnivac doesn't seem to care. Impactor lets Carnivac leave as he checks on Springer and Verity, while Guzzle tears Polar Claw in half and drinks his fuel, which has a monstrous effect on him. Guzzle's already bulky body begins mutating and his bloodlust overtakes him. Springer and Impactor manage to restrain him and Springer has an idea where to redirect him. The rest of the Wreckers have made it to where Hubcap says Stakeout's last transmission ended, and, lacking any other good ideas, fire blindly into the water. The shots strike the giant whale, revealed to be a Transformer tidal wave, and the shark, squid, and rabbit, Overbite, Clawjaw, and Stampy, who Stakeout encountered, all head to the surface to face off against the Wreckers. An irritated Tidal Wave suddenly emerges behind them, transforming from a whale to a massive tank-like fortress. Springer and Impactor arrive on the scene, turning the still rabid Guzzle on their new attackers. Tidal Wave attempts to convert to robot mode, but finds his transformation stalled for some unknown reason, leaving him halfway between modes. Springer recognizes this as an opportunity to get aboard Tidal Wave. In whom he suspects Prowl's currently being held. Arcee cuts Clawjaw's arms off and Roadbuster grabs him as they join Springer, Verity, and Hubcap in entering Tidal Wave. Cup, Impactor, and Guzzle are to remain outside just in case Prowl is able to get another message through the Mind Link to Cup. Inside Tidal Wave, Roadbuster tortures Clawjaw for information, which unnerves Springer but it proves useful as the squid leads them to a transmat portal for the Noise Maze. The Wreckers enter it. In the Noise Maze, Prowl wonders how his connection to Cup was severed, and Mesothoulas' voice returns, telling him that he now has the proof that he is a threat. The stolen Akita's data slug is dangled in front of Prowl, and the Autobot Strategist agrees to hear Methuselus out. The end. (laughs) Or to be continued. So yeah, issue two, uh... Just Let's start with you, Justin, since you said you had a little more to say about
0: this issue. Like I said, I saw the whole, you know, Beast Wars connection <laughs> coming. And the whole, like, I was like, okay, I don't know how, but Cup is Prowl somehow. Because, like, you know, like I said, RC kept flagging that, you know. I was like, oh, that's a red flag there. I was like, I don't know how, but Prowl is Cup. And I was like, Oh, he's in his mind. Okay, that makes sense. And then the one thing I did like about this is um I liked when uh Clawjaw showed up because like that was one of the first Beast Wars figures that I had. So I was like, Oh cool, like someone I know. I mean I knew the other guys, but like I was like, Oh, <laughs> like I was like, Oh, I actually had this guy. And Hello old friend <laughs> Yeah. But um you know, like I said, like I, I was disappointed that i was able to figure this stuff out and i think the one of the reasons is like i kind of like took a break from transformer comics for for you know quite a while um so like I, I came back i've been trying to catch up and then i read this and i was like oh like I, I figured this out like this is this is a little too easy but like the thing the thing i really didn't like about this whole series it's like it's it's a bunch of stuff that like i was it's more stuff continued that I was frustrated with in the comics. Like, all this RC stuff. Like, I don't like RC. I'm like, oh, she's she's this great badass assassin. I get it. Like, I'm I'm done with that. I don't need to see that anymore. And I'm sorry. I know you guys like Prowl. I am sick of this Prowl. Like, Prowl's a jerk. You know, his way is right. He's a manipulative schemer and all this other garbage. Like, I'm so tired of that. So, like... When I saw when I started like seeing this in this miniseries, like I started to get kind of grumpy because like the last stand of the records that was a great series. Like that's probably like one of the first Transformer things comic related that I read that kind of got me back into the comics because I like I would read like random trade you know that I'd pick up, but like I kind of I kind of wrote off Transformer comics because I thought they weren't very good, but. uh, you know, I read less of the records for the podcast on an old episode. I was like, you know what? Like, this is really good. And I remember, like, Mike, I remember you mentioning stuff. And you were like, you know, uh, Iron Fist is, like, kind of a blogger. And he's, a like, a uh, fan of, like, the records and stuff. And I was like, that's dumb. But then I read the story. I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. Like, I got, I kind of got into it. So I was really excited to, like, read this uh, sequel. And then I saw it was, like, you know, Cup gets his wallet taken RC's still super badass, cause you know, whatever. Reasons. <laughs> and and then it's like it's more of this prowl stuff. I'm just so tired of like all this prowl stuff. Like I wish, I wish he would just go the way of Cyclops and just you know, die. Like just die already.
1: <laughs> You've already taken Cyclops. Not my well, prowl. I think I think Prowl's
4: done enough shit to like being to be justified being called a monster. Unlike Cyclops, so, like, I'll, I'll say that. Yeah, <laughs> but, like, yeah, like
0: at, at least Prowl has done stuff, you know, like, you know, Cyclops destroyed a cloud. Ooh, he's so awful. <laughs> you know, he's, the, he's the worst mutant ever. Prowl, Prowl has legitimately did bad stuff. And we see even more of that in this series. Like, I'm not going to spoil it, but, like, there's stuff later on. I'm just like, Prowl did that? Prowl did that? Like...
4: Yeah, I think... I think it was getting yeah I, I kind of agree with you because I, I do like Prowl and I even do like schemy shady Prowl but I think it gets a little out of hand like like eventually yeah. and especially in this series yeah so but I, I'm sure we'll get into it when like the revelations of the next few issues come into play but uh I yeah. will I will say that I I really love the the visual aspect of how Nick roach decided to portray how uh, the the prowl po- the, the cup possessed prowl like i like the tr- the trail with, with the ener- yeah like the trail of energy coming out of his eyes that look like prowls like uh yeah horns like I, th- I thought that was a really nice visual touch at least
1: yeah it looked cool um I, I will i will side with justin and you like differently i, I still like Prowl. i want him to be good i want him to like redeem himself but they they have done a lot of stuff with prowl where he is gone surpassed cyclops dickish, dickishness it's like cyclops made some mistakes but like prowl just like it just seems like every bad thing that happens in the autobots is him it's like he's done everything it's just and and i understand that like we're supposed to read into the idea that he's doing it for the right reasons but it's really hard, especially in this series. So like like Justin said, we'll go into it later. How he just comes off as such a dick. And I, like I said, I'm like you, Mike. I love Prowl. I still like him as a character. But in IDW, he he is a huge dick. Um, I was going to come in on Beast Wars along with Justin. Uh, yeah, Beast Wars! You know, now we have to... Yeah, I I thought that was kind of cool. Um, The only thing IDW has really done with Beast Wars was The Gathering. And, you know... Like now we have like you know actual like uh, flesh and blood beast modes and stuff like that. And I think one of the things I really like as a fanboy of Transformers, I know like Justin has said he's he, he got out of Transformers for a while. I like the fact that the uh, not Predacons, but uh, they they give them a name later Chimeracons, on.
4: Chimeracons,
1: they're called. Cool. Chimeracons, yeah, Chimeracons, yeah. Um, it is actually a, a roster of different. Transformers from the different eras. Like, you have Clawjaw and stuff, and and, and Polar Claw, who are, you know, legit, you know, uh, Beast Wars characters. And then you have uh, guys like Tidal Wave, who is an Armada character. And then you have guys like Overbite, who is a G1 character. I kind of like that. You know, and Carnivac, who is a G1 character. And, you know, obviously Mayhem is probably a subtle nod to the Mayhem, you know, Assault Squad. And... Yes. That kind of stuff was kind of fun for, like, G1 references, and I enjoyed that. Uh, Stakeout is missing in this issue. I really like Stakeout. I, I, I kind of grew to like that character a lot. Um, also, I, I don't think this is going to be giving away something, but, you know, the rabbit does go into the whale's, like, mouth at, like, one point. So uh, that's Stampy. He is a Beast Wars Neo character. I don't think that's a big, like, spoiler. Cause as, he's as, already-
4: as Derek's Avatar shows like in his his disbelieving like quote is stampy is evil
1: why yeah and and a lot of these guys are like like maximals or autobots and some of them are decepticons and like you know predacons but like you know yeah yeah like stampy's evil polar claws evil Why, why are these guys bad guys yeah it is kind of a weird thing Whereas, like, what the fuck is going think, on?
4: I don't think they're necessarily evil, but they are like the antagonists in this.
1: Well, yeah, <laughs> the early in the story. They're they're evil as far as like early on. Yeah,
2: they're they're the antagonists. They're clearly at the very least political dissidents that are trying to overthrow the current government. So it's like, I I I think given like I'm just used to. Stampy being a cute rabbit who's actually right. a maximal, like, or, or, you know, I, I guess I don't think of the character as Clawjaw as much as I think of him as Scuba. But still, I mean, the, mm-hmm. the same kind of idea stands to me. Like, I don't think of those characters as antagonists. They're usually the protagonists. So, so, and, and, and in some ways. Actually, ship. actually, wasn't Claude Icard? I thought it was Icard. Scuba was the frog, wasn't he? No,
1: Scuba
4: was. was Scuba Klaudia. was. The sp- yeah, definitely. Right. the, frog, gonna,
2: oh, the sh- frog was diver.
1: I yeah, mean, I, dive, okay, there yeah. you go. You guys but, got. me. I don't know about Jeff can beast Wars. I'm sorry. No,
2: that's okay. But I, I just, you know, I, I wasn't, I, I wasn't overly fond of the mixing and matching of those characters you know for this purpose i mean i i see why it fits in terms of this particular story but it was kind of it it added to that grayness and maybe that sense of unsatisfaction that justin feels with some of the earlier stories because i i kind of feel like the last stand of the wreckers is like the death of gwen stacy It's like kind of a, a really good story. People enjoyed it. It did something different. And yes, it was shocking. And there were certain things in it that conceivably could be thought of as appalling. But for the most part, it was highly regarded by the people that read it. And it feels like this is some kind of sequel to The Death of Gwen Stacy, but it has to constantly refer to the Sin's past, or like some story that is wholly kind of rejected by fandom to make it work, whether it's, you know, cup being an infestation or the dead universe or the spotlight issue or, you know, it may be what Justin is mentioning, the sort of dissatisfaction with the nebulous gray areas that Prowl has to deal with, you know, and for me, it, it reminds me a lot of the, you know, like I said, autocracy, primacy, hypocrisy, you know, all those fucking <laughs> stories, you know, like, like where you're just like, oh, this is too, this is too much Oscars. entrenched into into current day politics and and sort of modern day polarization of of different peoples and ideologies and like that's that that's the part of it that was tough for me to swallow because you know I I kind of saw some of those characters as you know like to me it's like Cup and Springer and RC represent kind of season three Transformers that, that I have a lot of good feelings about. But here you've got kind of like a tired old, old man who's being mind controlled and his body's being essentially abused. You've got Springer who's basically was on death's door and is back to try and do something good. And and the, the only kind of solace I took in it was uh, this, to me, I mean, and obviously I'm not as well-read as as Mike is with the IDW comics, but to me, like, this was the first time I've actually seen, even though she's, like, badass assassin RC who, like, you know, I don't know, got molested by g haxis or whatever, like, I I was like, oh, this is the first time I've seen IDW RC interact with Springer, and I started to think, oh, maybe there'll be some spark of... Romance or or connection between the two of them, you know, and I and I kind of clung on to that. But I I don't think very much was done with it. But, you know, at least in that this issue was when I I had those thoughts and kind of noticed that because there's that one scene where they're actually sort of. Talking to one another and kind of discussing, you know, what is going on and everything.
4: There is that brief scene where R.C. takes notice of like Springer's Matrix blue eyes or whatever, where she's yeah, like, yeah. yeah, she's like, these are this is the first time I've seen your eyes
2: like look alive, like when you're in the thick of it, basically. So, there there were there were hints of it, but I I, I thought that a lot more was going to be done with it than than actually played out I guess and maybe that's just because I'm bringing my whole you know Transformers the movie baggage to a universe where that maybe doesn't apply but you know yeah that that was just something that that I sort of paid attention to
1: Um, and, and again to Justin's point earlier in the first issue the second issue again doesn't do any favors to Guzzle because he like rips out like a Transformers like throat and drinks his fuel and I'm like, dude, man, like, I understand records are supposed to be kind of like, you know, hardcore, you know, soldier guys, but I'm like, yeah, that's going too far. It's well, like his his name now. is Guzzle.
4: <laughs> I mean, that is that is tech like like I I think it was kind of extreme too, but that technically that is part of his character. Like it says it in his original tech specs that he like what consumes
1: the drinks, it but <laughs> yeah, yeah, he, he consumes other fuel people at
4: like a ridiculous rate. So. <clears throat>
1: Yeah, I, I I mean, I understand where they're going with Guzzle. He's like a kill-happy guy who's been affected by war for the story. But, like, in the original Last Stand, you know, he was he was a guy who liked to fight. But he wanted to fight because he wanted to prove himself. He wanted to be, like, he, was, he didn't want to be the small guy. He was like, I have a big gun. I can shoot people. I can do stuff. And now he's just like, you know, like, and I, I don't hate this characterization as much as I don't think it's true to the character it's kind of a, a beast wars beast machines thing It's like did you change too much did you like make uh too extreme of a change for this story and there was a couple things i did like in the second issue i did like the fact that impactor is is trying to hold to his values but even he is kind of like springer like when wreckers are in the thick of a battle they do like to fight that's what they do I don't know if I like tidal wave being kind of weirdly like emo. <laughs> like, no one likes me. You don't think I'm useless. I'm going to transform. Shit. I can't transform. <laughs> it's just like, damn. Okay. Tidal wave like <laughs> got all mopey and shit. <laughs> it's just like that. It, there, there's some, there's some beats that are weird. Uh, I kind of like Carnivac Carnivac from G1 was originally a Decepticon who uh, became disenfranchised with the Decepticon cause he didn't become an Autobot. But he, uh, he he didn't like how the did things. He had kind of an honor thing about him. He yeah. Was, like more. Of
4: carna, was kind of like the prototype Dinobot, like almost like.
1: Yeah, yeah. And and this one, he's more of a dissident. He's like, I don't want sides and everything. Which I mean isn't untrue to the character, but uh, you know, not not in line. But I mean, it, it's not bad. I mean, I, I I'm like, yeah, I could see that. I could see that working for him. Again, I miss Stakeout. I, I like Stakeout in this one. I, I think like Cup again. Just like quit giving Cup shit. You know, it's like I know you, like have to progress the story and the, the mind link with Prowl again is to make Prowl a dick. But I'm just like, oh god damn it! Just like stop fucking with Cup. And finally, if you are a Beast Wars fan, and I won't spoil it, I still won't spoil it. But if you didn't figure out the whole like, you know. Thing with what's going on with Prowl, it's going to be obvious soon. I mean, th- this one, that was kind of a giveaway, I think, Mike. Don't you? Yeah. Well, once
4: it once you Prowl said his name, it's kind of like it's meso mesothulus, like meso duili uh, is like the you know the genus name for like spiders or something. So yeah, you, I mean it's yeah. kind of he's in a yeah. Yeah,
2: yeah. So yeah. I am the the Flash Thompson of this podcast. Because I was like, I guess that means he was caught by Black Arachnia. So I didn't, I didn't know. That's okay, Derek. Uh,
4: As a general note, I I will say I I like that, like the IDW like universe now is open to like virtually any Transformers character you can imagine. Like, yeah, 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 that's cool. You know, Tidal Wave, you know, Beast Wars guys, like whoever else. Like, I I like that. Like, you know, if they want it, like they because. Obvi- like obviously I don't think if you did an Armada miniseries like it wasn't gonna sell as well as like a Generation oh, One yeah. miniseries that tied into the main like universe. So like if you want to like introduce those guys, I think that's a good move.
1: I actually felt stupid for a minute because after it was plainly set before my eyes, I was like, oh okay, that, that's obviously who that is. But when the whale first showed up, I thought, is that fucking Orkanok? Yeah, so, so did, like, so did is is I? That yeah. <laughs> or the Orcanoc, yeah,
4: the the Microverse
1: playset? No way,
4: yeah,
0: but...
1: Yeah, where'd that go from, yeah. yeah. Okay, good to see that wasn't the whole one. It was like, the fuck that go
2: from? Okay, cool.
1: Should we move on to issue three?
4: Anyone else have a, any thoughts?
2: The only, the only other thing that I was going to say, I think, was that Justin had mentioned Iron Fist and, and the whole aspect of, you know, the blogging thing and not getting it at first and then really keying in on it when he read last stand of the wreckers and it just made me think of the the text story because roadbusters reading those chronicles to springer when he's in his coma because he's not much of a conversationalist so uh, that that's that's a layer that maybe is grafted on you know had you read the text story
4: Oh, yeah. I didn't read that. Okay, yeah. I do like in that text story where it's like, you know, Roadbuster is like, this was quite an undertaking for Roadbuster. Like, first of all, he had to learn to read. So, what are words? Yeah, exactly. How do they work?
0: Much like
2: Derek. Much like Derek, well, he, he... <laughs> <Much like laughs> Derek yes. Yeah. Yes, yes, exactly. He was like, he, he, he said, because he said, uh, he's talking about the moment where they're fighting with Megatron, and he's going to say... Megatron malevolently cackled or something like that but he's like Megatron male uh, malevo male- um, is that how you say that? malevolently? Like he doesn't know So. <laughs> well, violently cackled <laughs> <laughs> yeah
4: that's some good stuff alright well let me start on issue 3 then
2: it's Tidal Wave. Recommend you take immediate cover. You have got to destroy him Density scans reveal his body is heavily armored, but his head is vulnerable. His height will make it difficult to attack him. Suggest you maneuver into optimal weapon range.
4: We start off with a flashback to the earliest days of the war. Prowl, clad in a radiation suit, pays a visit to Mesothulus, who is a neutral scientist he has employed to produce devices and weaponry for the war effort. Prowl has been overcome with guilt over his involvement in the creation of a so-called Decepta Bomb, that destroyed a neutral city, allowing Autobot High Command to pin the blame on the Decepticons, and thus gain a powerful propaganda tool. Prowl informs Mesothulis that he is no longer willing to commission such projects, but Mesothulis largely ignores Prowl's misgivings, and excitedly tells Prowl that the noise maze has been completed. He shows Prowl the portal to the mind-bending dimension, its intent being to imprison enemy soldiers and criminals in there, and let the disorienting effects of the atmosphere within keep them confused and helpless forever. As Mesothoulis stands on the edge of the portal, with his back to him, Prowl tenses up and makes a decision. In the present, Mesothoulis reveals the new hymn to a bound Prowl. He has reformatted himself with the bio-disguised alt-mode of a giant spider, and now calls himself Tarantulus. Tarantulas explains to Prowl that he has a mole within the Autobots who regularly feeds him data and tracked down the location of the Akitas data slug so he could use it to get Prowl's attention. Tarantulas webs Prowl to his back and takes him to the Tor, a facility at the heart of the noise maze that is shielded from its effects. There, Prowl is shown the bio-reformatting Chimericon procedure that Tarantulas has developed for members of Mayhem, and the facility's power source, a large crystal of something Tarantulas calls Obtentium. With all these resources, Prowl wonders why Tarantulas even needs to blackmail him, but Tarantulas reveals that the only thing he really wants is Prowl's cooperation. Meanwhile, in Nome, Alaska, Impactor's group continue their battle against mayhem, and Carnivac receives a call that whatever was jamming Tidal Wave's transformation has been removed. Carnivac orders Tidal Wave to transform back to whale mode and return to the water, and the remaining Mayhem members retreat with him. Cup takes the break in action to inform Impactor of Prowl's mind link, as well as where Springer and the others are headed. At the word Noise Maze, Impactor stops dead in recognition. He hurriedly asks Cup to help him get Guzzle back to Debris, because he now knows exactly who is behind Prowl's abduction. Inside Tidal Wave, another member of Mayhem, Leo Breaker, guards Carnivac to the source of Tidal Wave's cog jam, the mangled and dying Stakeout. It seems Stakeout managed to find his way into Tidal Wave's transformation cog as he was converting to robot mode and was crushed nearly to death. The fading Stakeout recognizes Carnivac as a, former, a fellow former deputy of the Tyrest Accord and that they both served under Ultra Magnus together before Carnivac defected. Seeking to comfort his old friend in his last moments, Carnivac tells Stakeout that the Wreckers are still alive, although only for the moment. Stakeout asks Carnivac to stay with them until he expires, and Carnivac kindly obliges. In the tour, Tarantulus tells Prowl that he wants them to resume their old working relationship, feeling that he was never more inspired than when they were each other's muses, and Tarantulus believes that feeling was reciprocated. Prowl flat out des- denies that association, but Tarantulus persists, refusing to let Prowl deny their history together. Their conversation turns to the day that Prowl betrayed him. When he was working near the noise maze portal, a figure in a radiation suit bursted in and tossed a protesting Mes- Mesothoulis into it. Mesothoulis had installed a personal jump gate into himself, just in case he needed an emergency escape hatch but the noise maze quickly twisted his mind, and it took him centuries to regain enough lucidity to activate it. Mesothoulas finally returned to his lab and found it stripped of all his work and any evidence that Prowl had been involved with him. He then decided to get caught up in the scientific advances of the day, and followed Shockwave's trail to Earth, where he found the energon derivative OR-13 that had been seeded there. Using that as a template and improving on or 13 Mesothulus created Obtentium as a vastly superior power source. While on Earth, he also became obsessed with its wildlife and became inspired to take on his new spidery alt-mode and persona. With Obtentium providing a viable power source for size changing and the organic beast modes, Tarantulas had created a perfect bio-disguise which he would eventually bestow upon members of Mayhem, in exchange for them acting in his interests. All of these achievements, however, pale in comparison to what Tarantulus considers his greatest, a completely artificial Cybertronian named Osteros that he created, the first of his kind. Tarantulus begs Prowl to tell him what happened to his nascent creation after he was tossed in the noise maze. Prowl sadly informs him that he kept Osteros' origins a secret and had him inducted into the Autobots where he served and eventually died during the war. Tarantulas erupts with sorrow and rage at this and demands that Prowl acquiesce to his demands or he'll completely dismantle Prowl's own life and achievements out of sheer spite. Prowl still refuses so Tarantulas seals him away in a black cube to consider his decision. Outside in the Noise Maze, Springer, R C and Roadbuster are being tormented by its disorienting effects. Verity is unharmed, however, and takes note that Clawjaw and Hubcap aren't being affected either. Clawjaw laughs and informs her that members of Mayhem have blockers to screen out the Noise Maze, but his tune quickly changes when he suddenly starts feeling it as well. The squid's head explodes from an amplified burst of the maze's signal and Hubcap casually tells Verity that he simply switched Clawjaw's blockers off using his internal mastery of frequencies. Verity asks him to help with the others, but Hubcap hesitates. Verity suddenly suffers another attack and collapses in pain. Hubcap ominously reaches for her and tells her to be brave. On Debris, Cup watches as impactor rummages through his own grave and listens as the former wrecker's leader fills him in on Mesothulis, having prepared for the eventuality of his return. Impactor reveals what he had stowed in his pre-made grave, a portal gate to the noise maze in the tour. Prowl sits in his dark prison when he suddenly hears Springer roadbuster, and r c s voices. They all appear to be confessing feelings of guilt over past crimes and wrongdoings, and Tarantulus speaks over them, telling Prowl that as the inventor of the original guilt-reading computer Akitas, he has, of course, created an upgrade. Prowl emerges from his prison to find Springer and the rest strapped into a new guilt-extracting computer called Impetus. Tarantulus sits above them with Hubcap at his side and invites Prowl to join them. Okay, so... Let me just say, like, straight off the bat, like, yeah, this is where I was like, okay, Prowl's, like, shady overload stuff just, like, tipped over into, like, ridiculous, like, territory. Yeah. Because, like, I kind of had to, like, headcanon this, like, his involvement with, like, the neutral city destruction, where I I had to, like, like, for my own, like, you know, sense of, like, reasoning and well-being, I had to say, okay, well... I think Mesothoulis went over his head with that and, like, you know, delivered the bomb without his knowledge to his superiors, and they used it. Because, technically, like, this like at this point in the war, like, Optimus Prime is not, like, the leader of the Autobots. Like, it must be, like, Zeta or Sentinel Probably, Prime yeah, or yeah. yeah, someone who is willing to use that bomb, so you know, like, be, being that Prowl, like, denies, like, a lot of it, and, like, the way he describes it, uh, like, I can, I have to, like, for my own sense of, like, security, I have to, like, headcanon this and say he was not directly responsible for that. But, like, uh, as a story, like, point, it is, like, like Justin said, it is getting, like, ridiculous at this point.
1: Yeah, I, I think the the intention was that was supposed to deliver the information with guilt but it doesn't really come off that way it just seems like he's like "Eh, that sucked you know it's like dude you should be more impassioned just be like you know we killed people you know like be angry about it but he's just like I can't do this anymore I'm done which doesn't work to his credit you know it's like he he should be impassioned and angry one thing I I really found about this this is like God this is where, like, we get, we get Wreckers full on as far as the bomb dropping. I really like Stakeout, and I thought he was a good character, and he was new, and he was fun, and... God, he died horribly. And on the flip side, I think, actually, I mean, not to sound maudlin or, you know, cheesy, Carnivac actually showed a sympathetic side which was needed for this series. It needed to show that there was, like, not just this black and white. He was, like, he knew Stakeout. Stakeout made a sacrifice, and he's still going to be on his side for right now and do his thing. I'm not saying he's going to change his tune. He's going to still fight against, like, the factions. But uh, he, he was with his friend when he died. And, and I mean, honestly, like, I read that panel... And it, it kind of you know, kind of did kind of hit the feels. You know, I thought that was a, that was that was a well written exchange between characters. Or I'm just a sappy motherfucker,
2: I guess. No, no, I I don't think you're sappy. I mean, that was that 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 was by design, trying to elicit sympathy, you know, from from the reader. I think and and. I mean, to this point, you just see Stakeout as a loyal and steadfast companion of the only human character in the book. Now, I mean, the only the only thing that I would say is as the series progresses, and and I I can't say I agree with you that I like Verity Carlo as a character, you know. So so maybe my opinion is sort of skewed, but I mean, just on the strict notion that you know, Stakeout is a loyal and steadfast companion, and then the, the way he dies is very kind of, you know, it, it's just ignominious, like, there, there's not much to it, and it's also very horrible, like, it's a horrible way to go. You know, so on all those fronts, you're just kind of sitting there going, oh, well, you know, y- you you would be kind of heartless if you didn't have any sense of compassion for his, his final... Moments, you know, and and that, I mean, yeah, I was definitely kind of like, oh, that's, you know, it, it's one of those things where it's like, oh, that kind of sucks, like that's too bad, you know, like 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 he he deserved better than what he got, essentially. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. What uh, did you think that Carnivac actually showing like you know friendship was actually kind of a nice like touch for that? I mean, you know, it's it's fine, but again, it goes back to the my whole I'm I'm gonna keep saying it, you know. Uh, autocracy, primacy, hypocrisy—you <laughs> know—because it's no, that's not. Fair. It's, yeah. it, 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 it. I, I get it. It, it works. It's a good scene. It does what it's designed to do. But at the same time, if, if he really gave a shit. Then he would be doing things in a different way, you know, like like that didn't that didn't bring about those kind of results, you know. So I, I think there's a sense to you know maybe be honest with yourself instead of trying to do something so you can.
1: I mean, he had a no, you
2: know? no stakeout was there and that he was going to do something. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah.
4: I think I, I kind of feel like stakeout's whole role in this series was kind of abruptly cut short and possibly like wasted a little bit just because I think he was killed to provide us with that look into Carnivax's character basically and yes. like you know he wasn't killed because the plot like you know took him in that direction he was killed because Carnivax needed to be you know given us an uh, extra dimension basically Be humanized yeah a little bit yeah cuz cuz after yeah after that scene with him and Carnivac, stakeout is only mentioned one more time in
1: this series right <laughs> yeah. by verity yeah yeah, yeah. um i, I think uh, also the other thing about this is like the the only problem i have with the the storytelling of this uh series is there's a lot of info dump a lot of info dump and that is not a bad thing when you're telling a story, but like you said, I think, you know, Roach wanted to tie up a lot of loose ends and a lot of scenes with prowl and tarantulas, you know, who is obviously tarantulas now. I mean, even if like, they didn't reveal it in this, you know, fucking issue him as uh, God Mezathulus or whatever his name is. I I was getting, I was getting tired of reading that because it was just like so much dialogue so much just reading and, reading and reading and I don't mind reading like entertaining back and forth, but it was just like – it it got a little tiresome.
0: I think I had the opposite feeling from Tony. Like I was kind of invested in the Prowl-Tarantulas thing because my hope was it would be revealed Tarantulas was somehow controlling or manipulating Prowl same way prowl was manipulating cup like that was kind of my hope like going into this issue and you know, like i was keyed into their discussion and i was like invested in it and then that hope that hope kind of like went away because you know uh, unlike cyclops like i i do like prowl like i, I always like g1 prowl like i was never crazy about cyclops but like i i don't like seeing him portrayed this way so i was kind of I was hoping that this would be his out, like this would be his, uh, you know, plot, you know, backdoor, and we could be like, oh, it was tarantulas all along, (laughs) and we could get, we could get like, you know, good old reliable, like, you know, steadfast, sturdy G1 prowl back, but like that. That didn't happen.
4: I, I think that would, like, in terms of the IDW continuity, that would might be a little lazy, since, like, Prowl just came off, like, a year-long storyline where he was controlled by Bombshell oh yeah and then like yeah. yeah and then i forgot he, he had he was part of the constructacons for so long and it, it was like it, they were saying like the gestalt like mind was kind of control, like having mm-hmm. an influence on his mind too so i think there were too many like pile-ups of prowl being mind controlled at that
0: time <laughs> yeah that's true i i did have a question like that radiation suit prowl is wearing is that based on something because that design looked kind of familiar
1: that's that's actually um, from Cup Spotlight,
4: actually. Yeah, the, the, those are the Cup, the Spotlight Cup radiation suits oh. that Cup kept thinking were demons. Oh, okay. Like, yeah, I, like, I've always, I've always questioned that because I'm like, why would you make the, the the radiation suits like look horrifying? Like, like, like uh, for
0: for a minute, I was like, is that? I was like, are they gonna try and say that's like the Beast Wars version of Prowl? And like I started going through that in my head, I was like, I don't think Beast Wars prowl looked like that. I was like, Wait, what's what's going on here? And then he just took off his head and I was like, Wait, what? <laughs> yeah. And I was like, Oh, it's just a radiation suit. Like I was like I was jumping through like mental like continuity hoops and things. I was like, Wait, that doesn't make sense
1: <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Apparently like as far as Transformers, even though they can swim and 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 I don't know, go into space Apparently high G, uh, not high Gs, but high rad levels do affect them, so I I guess that's the thing. I I will say that, like, you know,
4: no matter what, like, you know, they said Prowl and Tarantulas, like, did together, like, I was kind of, like, thrilled that, like, two of my top five favorite characters had, like, some kind of connection, basically, because, you know, Prowl Prowl is my number one favorite, Tarantulas is probably my third or fourth favorite character. So like I, I was like oh they they'd be good like nemesis nemesis nemesises you know for each other yeah so like I I I did I was like Justin said I was like invested in their like quote unquote relationship basically and I I I liked like Tarantulas like kind of obsession with Prowl because I guess it, like it, it made for like a different kind of villain than like Overlord like o- Overlord was kind of like a like you know he had no empathy and no no kind of like emotional like yeah stakes win, top, but, yeah. yeah but like tarantulas is kind of almost like like it's creepy but he's like almost like lovesick for you, prowl like
1: notice me senpai
4: <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly so like I, I thought that was a nice take on him uh derek do you have any thoughts on like tarantulas and prowl i i guess
2: I, yeah. I i feel like that i would probably save my specific thoughts on that for later, because I think it applies to kind of, you know, where the story goes, I suppose. But, I mean, for, for this, it was... Uh, I, I thought, like, the whole... You know, they were trying to touch on things that always seemed like... I, I don't want to say questionable, but, like, things that people could potentially deem questionable, like, in terms of, like, you, you've got the whole noise maze which could be equated to either the phantom zone or the 42 prison and the negative zone or you know like all those kind the of rats things or whatever yeah you know and, and and then when they go into it it's kind of like the dark dimension and it makes everything all trippy and and that kind of stuff i mean i mean i'll, I'll go into more detail later but i, I am kind of tired of uh, like I, I kind of n- not so much from the dialogue or anything, but I am kind of tired of Transformers having a backstory where they were really another Transformer or or had a Orion Pax form, for lack of a better term. Like I'm, 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 I'm kind of like the the way you know. I know Justin mentioned he was you know sick of seeing certain things or 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 kind of. Could predict certain things, you know. Found certain aspects of the story. Yeah. Oh no, Shockwave was an Autobot senator. <laughs> right, right. Like that. Those are the kind of things yeah. I'm thinking of. Where it's like I've seen this before, and and it doesn't it doesn't necessarily add anything new to the mythos for me. So in in that sense, I guess I see it as a little tiresome. I guess.
0: Yeah, it, you know, it kind of reminded me of when we were discussing like rick remainder comic books and i remember like me and mike were were very positive about some of his stuff early on you know like x-force especially and then we read more and more stuff and we were kind of like we began to like key in on his writing quirks so like when stuff was be was supposed to be like you know oh the gasp you know like mike and i were just like oh we've we've seen this trope before like can we yeah can we get something else
1: yeah, wouldn't it, would it be more interesting if like uh, like Tarantulas was actually a really good robot, and he was forced to make these experiments, and then then like you know instead of like him doing what Prowl wanted and going kind of crazy and stuff, when Prowl put him into the noise maze, that's what made him crazy, and now he comes back.
4: Well, I think like Prowl probably, probably like kind of did like or or you know the noise maze probably did scramble his brains a lot, but. I think he was just like before the noise maze, he was Mezothulus was just kind of like some ill socialized, like, you know, nerd or something living in his basement that probably like befriended or something.
1: Yeah, but I mean, I mean, wouldn't it be nice if like he was just a normal guy who just pressured into doing his job and just like
2: I I think I think it's the the difference between Hector Hammond and and Jeff Johns comics being Tony Stark. Like a really good-looking guy that is suave and could potentially steal Carol Ferris from Hal Jordan, and then he turns into Hector Hammond, where he's all ugly. Yeah. He's got a big fucking head, and, and and basically he he has a physical and mental journey. Whereas in the Green Lantern movie, he's already an ugly. Disturbed little man who little society creepy. has shunned to begin with. So it's like, well, how 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 much of a leap do you have to make for him to completely go off the rails? Like he doesn't have to leap very far. Yeah, you are not pushing way. him up. If you him over speed, yeah. I, I, I would I would you know harbor a guess. What Tony's saying is just that you know, Mesothulus didn't have to be pushed very far. To go down that road, whereas if Mesothoulis was this noble statesman who abhorred kicking polar bears in the face, and then you <laughs> got him to the point where he's like, now I think it's divine and fun, and, and not only do I want to kick the polar bear in the face, but I want to experiment and force feed him like Coca-Cola and make crazy commercials and watch... <clears throat> stomach explode just for giggles then you're like oh well that's that's a further leap than somebody who was already like I don't know frying ants with a magnifying glass when he was a young Cybertronian or something where you're just like well I I get that I I,
0: I think it would have been more interesting if Tarantulas was secretly made of waffles and then (laughs) Prowl Prowl finds out and Prowl is like constantly trying to eat him and that's what makes tarantulas <laughs> like go off the deep end. Like, I think waffles was, are so tasty. <laughs> I think that would have made for compelling storytelling and some really great visuals. Like, that if mosaics <laughs> were around, I would like write and illustrate that myself.
4: It's like it shows from Prowl's vision. Like, <laughs> he looks at mazothulus and he's just a man
2: like made of waffles. Would that entail a scene with Guzzle where he's got like maple syrup and he's downing it by the bucket <laughs> loads? Is that is that how that would go?
1: If, yeah, i need yeah, more maple syrup <laughs> so canadian
4: the last thing i'll say about this issue is uh you know they say like transformers comics are made to sell toys well this issue did because after this i realized hey i don't own a claw jaw or a stampy so i went on ebay and tracked down a loose claw jaw and stampy like based Woo-hoo! off like this issue and last one so yeah stampy claw gotcha. I, I kind of want Polar Claw just to like wreck him. <laughs> yeah. Well, anything else on, or should we move on to issue four? Oh, issue good. four. <laughs> I'm
1: here inside your pretty little head controlling your pretty little thoughts.
4: Correct. Uh-huh. Issue four. On Cybertron, in the past and during the war, we see Roadbuster beating several of his Autobot cadets to death in an underground cavern. An external voice bids Roadbuster to take the bodies and place them on his altar. We see a giant stone effigy of Mortalis, the Cybertronian god of death, and Roadbuster places the bodies in a hole underneath it. Suddenly, an Autobot security team led by Prowl arrives and apprehends Roadbuster, who begs Mortalis to speak to them as he had been spoken to, but the voice has gone silent. Prowl and Ratchet grimly note that many of Roadbuster's cadets have been found tortured to death, and that the Wrecker is going to have to answer for his crimes. We pull back from this past scene to the present, where Roadbuster was just made to relive that memory by the guilt-extracting computer impetus. When he hears Tarantulas' voice, Roadbuster recognizes it as Mortalis, and Tarantulus gleefully explains that he had shrunken down in spider mode and hidden Roadbuster's head for some time, speaking to him and driving him to commit these atrocities. The Autobots had been left to think Roadbuster was insane, and Tarantulus used the dead bodies of the cadets as fodder for his experiments. Hubcap also speaks up revealing that he was one of the survivors of Roadbuster's murder sprees, and was outraged when he learned that the wrecker was released by Prowl after completing only minimal rehabilitation. Tarantulas approached Hubcap, and seeing the value in his outlier mastery of frequencies, employed him to gather information from the Autobots' communication network, in exchange for an upgraded and more powerful body. Prowl tries to plant doubt in Hubcap that Tarantulas won't live up to his end of the bargain, but the minibot won't hear it. He tells Prowl that it takes brave people like him and Verity to expose the corruption in the Autobots. But Verity reveals that her motives were anything but doing the right thing, and she had really dangled the Akita's data out there to seek Prowl's help. She's dying, and Tarantulas confirms that he's examined her and determined that the flashpoint was when she absorbed a massive amount of radiation from Iron Fist's download of Akita's back in Garus 9. Whereas Iron Fist wanted to use the data to seek justice, Verity shamefully admits that she could finally only use it as leverage to save her own life. Tarantulas then attempts to hook Prowl up to Impetus, but Prowl buys time by telling the spider that he'd lied before about what happened to Osteros. He actually considered the Artificial Transformer to be an abomination and executed him on the spot. This infuriates Tarantulus, who physically expresses his displeasure. But as he's doing so, Prowl hears Cup's voice in his head through their mind link. Cup tells him that they're on their way, and a moment later an alarm sounds throughout the tour as the Wrecker's space station debris emerges through Impactor's portal and into the noise maze itself. Tarantulas radios Carnivac and tells him to have Mayhem engage the Wreckers as he webs Prowl to his back and leaves the room with Hubcap, planning to transmit the Akitas data across the galaxy. Outside, Impactor, Cup, and Guzzle take on the forces of mayhem and everyone is shocked to see Tidal Wave's arms reaching through another noise maze portal. The giant Chimericon has turned himself inside out to enter the noise maze through his own portal. His massive presence, along with that of debris, begins to seriously destabilize the entire dimension. Tidal Wave breaks up Impactor and Carnivax's fight by punting the Wrecker through the air and through a wall in the TOR facility, which is actually just where Impactor wants to be. In the TOR communication suite, Prowl pleads with Hubcap to stop the Akitas data from leaking, and the minibot finally has some second thoughts. He remotely releases Springer, RC, Roadbuster, and Verity from Impetus, and the Wreckers tool up and give chase. They arrive at the communication suite and engage Tarantulas, Springer tells Prowl to have Hubcap lead him to safety as they put down the spider. Hubcap begins to lead Prowl out of the tour, apologizing along the way, and knowing that he's probably going to be put in prison for what he's done, but he turns and sees Prowl aiming a gun at him. Prowl says that Hubcap is just too much of a security risk, and he can't let him live. Hubcap begs for his life, appealing to Prowl's better nature, and asking if they can try and end the cycle of abuse and violence together. Prowl decides to chance it and lowers his weapon, but Hubcap is shot in the chest anyway and plunges to his death. Prowl turns to see Impactor emerge from the shadows behind him and asks why he did that. Impactor responds that he wasn't willing to risk Hubcap's honesty when weighed against the sacrifice of all those who had died to protect the Akita's state. He also adds that there will always be people like him to pull the trigger when people like Prowl can't. Meanwhile, Tarantulus is proving to be a formidable opponent for Springer's group. With a last entreaty to remember the good stuff about him, Roadbuster bids Springer farewell, transforms the vehicle mode, and rams the spider out a window. After taking a beat to acknowledge his sacrifice, Springer, R.C., and Verity depart to link up with the others. Outside, at the bottom of the tour, Roadbuster has survived the fall, but cannot locate Tarantulas. He suddenly hears the mortalist voice in his head again, and Tarantulas taunts him from within. The spider then brutally expands to full size, and explodes Roadbuster's skull from the inside. Tarantulas takes a moment to observe the battle going on in the noise maze, seeing Tidal Wave exchange shots with debris, and decides it's time to close up shop. Back inside the tour, Springer's group meets up with Impactor and Prowl again, and they share the news that Hubcap and Roadbuster have died. Prowl insists that they need to burn down this entire place and all of Tarantulas' work. He has a plan to do it too, by blowing up the main Obtentium power source, and then forcing Carnivac to force convert Tidal Wave back to Whale mode. The mass shift should cause a gravimetric shockwave that will be the last straw for the already unstable noise maze. They reach the chamber with the large Obtentium crystal and begin to lay some explosives. Verity reveals to the others that she no longer feels ill and is horrified to realize that Tarantulas must have done something to her body to cure her. On cue, Tarantulas appears and tells everyone that he's going to do something weird to them, to be concluded. So yeah, uh, the first thing I'll say is I was kind of hoping Impactor would go like all attack on Titan with Tidal Wave. I mean, he's got like the harpoon for it and all, but he didn't, so that was kind of a letdown.
1: All I guess his
4: Roadbuster no. Yeah, I was kind of sad about that. Roadbuster is another of my favorite characters, and he kind of got the shaft in this issue. But you know, I guess I guess he kind of died for a cause at least.
1: Yeah, and I will say this, Mike. I mean, I know you like Tarantulas, and he is a really fun character in Beast Wars. But he's really fucking OP in this fucking series. Yeah, he does kind of
4: have all the the party favors and gimmicks and like you know mass displacement without any drawbacks. It seems like.
1: Yeah, it's like I understand he's a bad guy, but like I'm like, dude, just like you're like Jason fucking Friday Thirteenth, just fucking die. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I I don't I like Tarantulas too. I loved him in Beast Wars, but it is like at a certain point, I would just like. I know he's your big bad, but Jesus christ man he he keeps coming back and this it, it was kind of infuriating again nostalgia I like roadbuster so and that that death scene was gruesome that panel was just like oh it, it again like there there's like Derek said this this series is emotionally draining you're just like,
0: damn it is the whole uh roadbuster killing people for mortalists, like, a uh, detailed backstory somewhere that I missed?
4: Not, like, they kind of hint at it early in this series, like, in, like when Impactor's, like, you know, when he's, he's, like, when you talk to Springer, like, does Springer talk back to you? But I, I don't think they ever mentioned it before this series. Mm. Or, no, what they, they did mention there was some kind, in Last Stand of the Wreckers, Iron Fist says something about there being some kind of Roadbuster affair or something like something that happened with Roadbuster so I think that's the only mention they made of it
1: yeah he, he's generally just seen as a very violent guy which is supposed to be his arc but yeah
0: the uh, the only other like thought I had is like when, when Prowl is talking to Hubcap he's like Hubcap Trenchless is evil and Hubcap's like from my point of view the Autobots are evil i I think
1: hubcap got a a, it's really funny because in the second issue i think like if i'm not right um apparently hubcap sounds like a a, a french person because she says shut up frenchy so i guess and after she said that i kept reading his like text was like oh i don't know what i could do it's so weird it's strange i
4: don't know that's probably some like obscure like uh pop culture reference or something I'd imagine. imagine I, I I was gonna mention this earlier but or later, like in the next issue review, but man, like like I, I do like Verity, but man, like Roach gives her like overload buffy speak sometimes, like like yeah. gets like a really out are of you, hand sometimes.
2: Are you talking about when she calls RC that? Oh, oh she goes, yeah, mate. Did she call Hogcat Frenchie or R C Frenchie? I I think because she's she's making fun of RC. I was going to ask Justin if he he chuckled at that since he doesn't like you know assassin badass RC. But uh, Verity's the one he he calls her or she calls her Pink Lady and Frenchie because it's it's like a Grease reference. That's what it is.
0: As uh, as Savick said in Star Trek Three, it is time for total truth between us. I have never seen Grease ever oh wow one of my uh friends like his dad for whatever reason was like really enthusiastic about greece so like you know this is the same guy that like forced me to watch rama and kind of made me hate it so like his dad was trying to like force us to watch greece and we were like no we want to like play Dynasty warriors or you watch you know horror movies or something and because I like stupidly said, Oh, I've never seen Grease. And he was all like, Oh, it's the greatest like musical ever. And it's a really great movie. And you've got to watch it. It's a classic. Blah, 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 blah. So I, with that in my head, I was like, I'm, I don't think I want to watch that. Because, <laughs> but either way, like those references, like, went over my head.
1: Now, Grease 2, don't watch that. Fuck that shit. <laughs> Der-
4: Derek, I was kind of curious on your take about the scene between. Prowl and Hubcap and then Impactor. Like I, I feel like you'd have words to say about that
2: scene. I don't know. Like, like Hubcap's a little bitch. I mean, <laughs> that's what I was gonna. You know, say. like the whole like, series, like, he has been. Yeah. Because, because, yeah. like, look, I get it. Like, like, what happened with Roadbuster wasn't cool. I get it, right? But like, there's, there's a different way to. I don't know. Like, I to, to me, it's like you don't, you don't turn traitor on your entire societal like structure just because you got done wrong by certain aspects of it i mean i don't know it 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 just seems like like there there's there's kind of like those gut reactions to it i I mean i don't it's almost like what do you what do you expect was going to happen. I mean because because it's either Is it the crazy Spider-Guys going to be on your side? Yeah. <laughs> well, no, no, not, not even that. Like pretend pretend Tarantulus was going to uphold his end of the bargain. Like the ultimate end game was either Tarantulas was going to sway prowl to the dark side and what? Like Hubcap was going to be bigger, badder, stronger and then do the same shit to Roadbuster that was done to him. Like, so, I mean, at some point, he was either going to have to kill somebody back or not. But now that he's in this position where everything's gone to, you know, piss in a pot... Then all of a sudden it's like, We can change, man. We can be better than that, man. You know, uh, autocracy, primacy, hypocrisy. Like like now all of a sudden when the wind's not going your way, now now you're gonna, you know, kinda make this impassioned plea that we can all be better, you know, transformers and, and not, you know, do bad things to each other. And like I, I don't know. And and it's kinda funny because again, <coughs> Impactor this whole time is trying to be "Quote unquote, the better guy, right? And and not he's you know, like fuck this shit <laughs> that, that are murderous, quote unquote, right? But then in this instance, like it's a clear delineation. Like this guy was a traitor. We can't risk him potentially. I mean, the whole point of this was we can't risk him releasing this information. So I'm just going to shoot him and end any question of that being a possibility. And then and then you're sitting there going, well, you know. Guzzle is maybe not doing it for as well a thought out reason, but you'll notice, like, when, like, I thought the most important panel for me in this is the moment where Cup and Guzzle are fighting side by side, and they have that moment where he's like, Look, I know it's been a while, but it's really good to have you by my side in this. And, and Guzzle's reaction is, Yeah, I'm really good at what I do you know and it's just one of those things where you're like of course the mad crazy bloodthirsty like killer <laughs> is great to have by your side when you're in the middle of a freaking war zone i mean and and it's like and again i think it's it's one of those things where it's hypocritical to to when when all of a sudden the wind shift then it's like, oh, no, it's not, you know, Guzzle's a bad person. But, of course, when your shit's in the, you know, when the shit hits the fan and your ass is in the line of fire, then all of a sudden it's good to have Guzzle at your back, like, killing all these people trying to kill you. So, you know, yeah, I mean, yeah, I I have opinions about it, but it's it's just one of those things where it is a a scenario where it's kind of interesting that, you know, I kind of question, like, what was Prowl even thinking? Like, was, was he just going to do it well, later?
1: because well, Prowl has to be a dick in the whole fucking series. That's why. <laughs> he
2: can't well, even no, but, he can't make clearly, a good decision. <laughs> well, clearly he wasn't, you know, being a dick there, right? Or wasn't being, you know, as logical as... I don't know. It just seemed like all of a sudden... He decided that what what Hubcap said was logical, and, and I'm kind of like, is it? Like I don't I don't know, man. Like,
4: I, don't yeah. know. I I was just thinking, like I came to the conclusion that Hubcap was a, li- as you said, a little bitch when I was like, wait a minute, so tarantulas just revealed that he was responsible for the for what happened with road yeah so yeah so wouldn't yeah wouldn't you like make the jump that wait a minute i'm working for the guy who put that in motion basically yeah like so i i guess he i would just reason that he's so weak willed and you know he he just like overlooks that from my point of
0: view the Derek is evil <laughs> it's like yeah.
1: And and that's another thing about Prowl, it's like that's what I hate about this. It's like they always like to set up Prowl as being a dickhead and being like this like, you know, guy who makes choices when other people can't. But he never pulls the goddamn trigger. Ever. And Impactor has to come in and pull the fucking trigger again for him. And I'm like, dude, man, like if you're gonna make Prowl a dick, make him a super dick. You know, at least make him like, you know, that guy. But like when you make him padger that guy, you make him more sympathetic because he's like, Yeah, you're you're not that that badass. I have to do this for you.
4: You know? he ha- well, he has people to dirty their hands for him, basically, so I mean I mean that's cool to a point, but yeah, eventually yeah. it gets kind of yeah annoying, and you know obviously like it's it's hard to empathize with prowl, so yeah yeah it, it yeah it is is very annoying yeah <laughs> i will like i i will say that like I did like roadbusters like final, like, out and death scene. And I liked his... I think those final words he had with Springer probably have a lot more weight if you had read, like, the zero-point story, like, beforehand. Like, and I I did, like, yeah. That was a pretty gruesome, like, Wreckers-worthy death for him.
1: Yeah, Wreckers never die pretty. So, I mean, it, it, it was... I mean, I didn't like it as far as, like, visually, because it was like, oh my god, that's gross. But... I mean these guys are like the dirty dozen and if you're going to go out go out like a champ so i mean yeah I was, it's it's a step up from getting blown up by his own
4: gun in time wars that's so. <laughs> <I was> like <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah but have any, anyone else have any other things about this issue or should i go on to the
1: last one conclude it starting now i'm going to teach you everything all of my ways all of my secrets you're going to be my army operating in the shadows
4: Issue 5 As the battle rages outside in the collapsing noise maze, Tarantulas confronts Prowl, RC and Verity in the Tor facility. He enlarges himself again and activates a retinal scanner to begin a process that will shrink the entire building, allowing him to teleport it to safety. Unnoticed by Tarantulas, Impactor and Springer continue laying charges on the Obtentium crystal powering the place. Springer orders Impactor to get everyone out as he finishes the job. Springer tells him that he's weary and this will be his final mission as a Wrecker. The reluctant Impactor accepts his orders and gets Tarantulas' attention, while RC and Springer cut the web the giant spider was standing on from either side. Tarantulus falls into the Crystal Pit, but enlarges himself again, saving himself and grabbing Verity. He gloats to Prowl that he cured Verity's sickness as a way of one-upping him, but the human girl is furious at being used as a pawn in Tarantulas' revenge scheme. Tarantulas d- dismisses her indignation as compared to what he's lost thanks to Prowl. Impactor chooses this moment to reveal that Prowl wasn't the one to originally trap Tarantulus in the noise maze. We flash back to that moment where we see that it was in fact Impactor who broke into Mesothoulis' lab and banished him as a favor to Prowl. Prowl arrives and asks about Osteros and Impactor refuses to do that dirty work for him. He hands Prowl a gun and tells him that if he wants rid of Mesothoulis' unnatural creation, he's going to have to do it himself. Tarantulus doesn't care about this revelation at first, as he still blames Prowl for everything, but he takes a moment to consider the deeper implications. Tarantulus believes wholeheartedly that Prowl would never dirty his hands with something so base, and with Prowl's history of lies, he reasons that Osteros might still be alive. The giant spider grabs Prowl and demands to know the truth, just then a message from Springer, who is still laying explosives further down the crystal pit, is heard. Yet Prowl and Impactor share a meaningful look at this, and Tarantulus intuitively deduces from their silence that Osteros is currently present. Verity and Arcee simultaneously come to the conclusion that Osteros and Springer are one and the same, and Tarantulus frantically drops Prowl to reunite with his creation. Impactor gives Prowl some Obtentium samples, and tells him to get Verity out of there and complete the mission. As they depart, Arcee intercepts Tarantulas and decapitates his Beast Mode head, tossing it over to Impactor. Impactor harpoons up to the retinal scanner and uses the spider head to stop the contraction of the Tor. Prowl drives Verity outside, and they find the battle is still raging, with tidal wave punching debris so hard, that the Wrecker's Mausoleum is breached, and coffins begin to rain from the space station. Verity is horrified as Iron Fist's casket lands right in front of them and spills her friend's corpse out. Prowl reaches Cup and guzzled, still exchanging fire with Mayhem. After a friendly hello from Cup, he bashes Prowl's face in with his rifle butt. Prowl tells them the, them the plan to feed Tidal Wave some obtentium, then force Carnivac to make the giant transform. Guzzle takes matters into his own hands, using a blast from his tank cannon to propel him up to Tidal Wave's head, and stuffing the Obtentium crystals in the Chimericon's mouth. Tidal Wave begins to mutate and go berserk under the potent power source's effects, and predictably, Carnivac opts to pacify him. The Wolf's Howl forces Tidal Wave back into whale mode, and the gravimetric crunch that follows is enough to precipitate the Noise Maze's final slide into utter collapse. Inside the tour, Tarantulus isn't down yet, as his robot mode head pokes out of his spider body and he resumes his attack on Impactor and Arcee. After scattering them, Tarantulus leaps into the pit to find Springer, who is still laying explosives on the obtentium crystal. Impactor tries to warn Springer, but the Triple Changer can no longer hear his friends' messages. Springer sends one of his own anyway, ordering Impact and Arcee to leave him behind. Impactor is unable to do it, but Arcee, with a new understanding of why Springer is still so valued by others, tells him that they should respect his wishes. Tarantulus scurries down the crystal face to reunite with his creation, but the interference is so bad where Springer is, they can't hear each other. Springer begins attacking Tarantulus in earnest, trying to buy time for Impactor to set off the explosives. Unable to communicate with him, Tarantulus throws Springer up and out of the crystal shaft, trying to save his life. But Springer, dedicated as he is, leaps right back in and resumes the attack. Outside the tour, a devastated impactor follows Springer's last order and sets off the explosives. As the tour explodes, Prowl, Cup, Guzzle, and Verity leap aboard Debris, but Prowl and Cup immediately find themselves with Guzzle's guns pointed at the backs of their heads. Guzzle's long to kill Cup for the murder of his friends back when the old-timer was crazy, and Prowl, he reasons, just has it coming for all the shady shit he's done. Verity begs him to stop, but Guzzle is beyond reason. Before he can execute either of them, Guzzle is put down by a harpoon through the head as Impactor and Arcee arrive. The survivors huddle around Guzzle's body, and we fade to black. Like, literally, there's like two pages of just black. We open back up on an epilogue narrated by Impactor. After debris pulled free of the noise maze, Prowl went back in and rescued Springer, who survived the TOR's destruction. Cup and Arcee rejoined Optimus Prime's forces on Earth, and Prowl was left to his own devices and outcast from the Autobots. As for Impactor himself, he's decided to take up with the remains of mayhem. Alongside Carnivac, the one-handed former wrecker declares, a revolution is coming. In Alaska, Verity sits on Springer's car mode roof, enjoying the sights of the Northern Lights and regretting that Stakeout isn't here to see them. She asks Springer how long it'll be before they'll have to return to the insanity that is their lives. Springer replies that it could happen at any time, so they might as well enjoy the peace while they can. And unnoticed by anyone, possibly even by you guys, a tiny spider hangs from one of Springer's tires.
1: The end. Didn't notice that. I will say one thing. I have a really stupid fan theory. Impactor has beast forms with him right now Stampy, uh, Overbite, who is still alive, and Carnivac. Is there a possibility that Impactor might become Lyo Convoy?
4: I don't think so. But the pack? Well, you know, I would say the pack. Well, I, well, well, I, I mean. I mean he might get a beast mode, like that that's a possibility. I don't think he's gonna actually become like some other character. Figure that Hi, this is Mike with another installment of Fanholes Figure That. Today I'll be reviewing a release from Takara's Transformers Legends line. Voyager Class Leo Prime, or Lyo Convoy as he was traditionally known in Japan. It's kind of weird, actually. This toy is officially named Leo Prime by Takara. Conversely, the Transformers fan club in the U.S. released an exclusive version of this character last year and named it Lio Convoy. So it seems like we've swapped names across the ocean for whatever reason of late. I assume it has to do with the fact that the live-action movies maintain the Optimus Prime name in Japan instead of the more traditional Convoy, so Leo Prime continues that trend over there. While Takara has their own mini-comics that utilize Leo Prime in sort of a comedic fashion, I mainly purchased this toy because of the Transformers fan club series of prose stories, Beast Wars Uprising. Lyo Convoy is the central figure of that universe and eventually upgrades from a vehicle based body, the aforementioned fan club exclusive, to this beast form. Lyo Convoy is the leader of the Resistance, an organization made of Maximals and Predacons that have rebelled against the oppressive builder regime on Cybertron, hence the uprising subtitle. Writers Jim Sorensen and David Bishop have created quite the expansive alternate universe over the course of a dozen text stories of varying length. I wholeheartedly recommend looking into it to any fan of the Beast era of Transformers. In whatever case, Legend's Leo Prime is, as I stated, a Voyager-class mold in a repaint of Hasbro's Titan's Return Alpha Trion figure. Instead of using Alpha Trion's Titan Master partner, Sovereign, Leo borrows Sentinel Prime's partner, Infinitus. Obviously, Sentinel Prime's head design is a closer match for Lyo Convoy than Alpha Trion's is. If you wanted something that hewed even closer to Lyo Convoy's original head, you could borrow Titan Master Dyack from the Titan's Return Voyager Optimus Prime mold. But, honestly, the Infinitus mold suits the more organic style of this toy just fine. Aside from the new Titan Master, Leo Prime also gains a new rifle from the Sentinel Prime toy, and of course includes the same weapons as Alpha Trion as well. The Solipsistic Sword, as it is called in Uprising, is the main party piece and looks lovely. It forms Leo Prime's tail in Beast Mode, which, well, you kinda have to use your imagination on that one, but it works well enough. The other accessory is a hollowed-out gun, called the Typhoon Arrow in Uprising, that can seat Leo Prime's Titan Master. Leo can hold it in Robot Mode, or it can peg into either of his Alt Modes as a sort of gunner seat for his little partner. If you are unfamiliar with this mold's alternate forms, Leo Prime is a triple-changer who can become both a lion, obviously, or a space cruiser. The lion has somewhat limited articulation, but does give off an air of wise nobility, which is obviously fitting for both Alpha Trion and Lyo Convoy. I'm kind of sad that the lion's jaws can't open due to the transformation, but at the same time, the way the robot mode hands seamlessly become the lower lion jaws is a clever bit of engineering. The Space Cruiser is, well, clearly the mode that was designed with someone else in mind. It looks quite like an aircraft carrier, and it was obviously intended with this toy's eventual remolds into broadside and tidal wave in mind. You!
1: Because of you, I got blasted out of space! Do you realize what that did to my paint
4: Still, it serves its purpose, and it's probably got the most Titan Master compatibility out of the three forms, with several pegs and seats for the little guys to interact with or connect to. The main draw is Leo Prime's robot mode, and Takara's patently extensive paint applications really shine here. Leo Prime looks rightfully legendary in his humanoid form, and you instantly recognize that this is a guy with some authority. The Autobot symbol that was on Alpha Trion's chest has been replaced with a Maximal one, and if you press that upraised section in, it deploys some spring-loaded horns from his shoulders to bulk up the Titan Master head. The tabs that hold in the spring mechanism on mine were kind of weak though, and I'd advise leaving the horns up when you store Leo Prime, just so they don't wear out any further in time. Plugging the Titan Master in also usually deploys the horns, which can be a pain sometimes. The robot mode has some decent articulation, enough in the legs to do a one-legged kneeling pose, and enough in the arms to hold his sword in a two-handed grip. Both of these are things I usually look for in a figure, so I was quite happy there. You can unhinge the waist connection so Leo Prime can lean forward a bit too, which is useful for certain poses. There's multiple storage points for all of his weapons in this mode, and you can even kind of achieve Lyo Convoy's classic silhouette by having the sword or a gun hang off the back of one of his shoulders. All in all, it's a super fun robot mode and undoubtedly the chief selling point of this toy. In the end, this is a great figure, an awesome homage to a classic character, or a whole new form for that character if you wish it, Even if you don't have any attachment to Lyo Convoy, it's an amazing looking piece on its own that will stand out in any display. The only sticking point might be the price. Expect to pay about twice as much or more than your standard Voyager class figure here in the West. By the time this review is released, I can't be certain as to the availability of this toy either, but I will say that I paid $60 for it when it was brand new and I was very pleased with what I got, so use that as your measuring stick. This has been Mike with another.
1: A oh. oh, Springer is alive, which is great, which I, I love. I really didn't want them to kill Springer.
4: Yeah.
1: Um. The uh. God. What's his name, Mike? His his original name. The Osteros. Yeah. The uh, Oster heater, uh, system. Um. <laughs> 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 oh golly, it's Oster. <laughs> that was a thing in the eighties. But yeah, that's cool <laughs> that Springer is like. And honestly, I'm not going to, like, lie. Like, no, it's, it's not it's, cool. Is like, Springer, like, the best leader cool. ever? Seriously. It's
2: not cool. It's not cool. I'm tired of people being other fucking people. Stupid. <laughs> uh, I'm Osteros. It's like,
1: it's just like it, with Osteros, he's, he, he, was, he was good from the beginning. He was just a blank
2: slate. He, he Why? Wasn't, what, what? I, don't, I don't get it. What's the point? Osteros was this quote-unquote abomination, right, that just sit there with matrix blue eyes that weren't naturally matrix blue, right? And he just sat there with a big, goofy fucking smile on his face after, you know, Prowl and and Tarantula supposedly murdered a bunch of neutrals because they dropped the bomb on them, and he just sat there and smiled like a goof fuck and went, <laughs> I'm Osteros, <laughs> and then somehow magically he becomes Springer, who's like the bravest of the brave, the best of the best, and and the the righteous of the righteous. Like, I I, I don't even understand that.
1: There's a, there's I, a difference, Derek. Though you know what the difference is? I like Springer.
2: <laughs> no no no, I like, like Springer, but th- he's see, still want to the one who be Osteros. Yeah, that's I the problem. <laughs> For me to give a shit about Osteros, he has to be Springer, right? But yeah. That's, that's like, unnatural. Like, not only is the, the actual character unnatural, the, the way they make you care for that protoform of the character is unnatural because the only reason why you have any connection to it is because it's really another character. I mean, it's like sitting there going, oh, hey, gee whiz, you know, I just made up a guy named Crapface. It's like, oh, yeah, you made up a guy (laughs) named Crapface? Okay, great. Who is Crapface? Well, it's a big mystery. You know, you might not find out who it is. It's like, like, guess what? Crapface was the protoform of Rodimus Prime. Well, fuck, I guess I have to like him now because Rodimus Prime is my favorite character. But it's like, no, that's... That's not cool. I think the reason why something like Orion Pax works, right, is that you don't know he's Optimus Prime, but you know he's a young, impetuous, you know, bot, and he's trying to do the right thing, but gets swayed up and caught up in Megatron's bullshit. And then once you find out he gets reformed after he gets you know i guess killed essentially right and and then and then he turns into Optimus Prime all of a sudden it all clicks like at first he was swayed by megatron's kind of philosophy and everything but then he becomes Optimus Prime and you see why he can actually stand up and and go toe to toe with a personality like that because he's now been forged he's not the young green you know, NFG guy anymore. He's actually, you know, got some weight to his character and everything. But it's like the, the backstory oh, makes sense to you in that yeah, way. Yeah, you know, but but you know, Osteros, Senator, fucking Shockwave, like all these things. You know, even even Mesothulus and Tarantulas. You know, like like. I don't know. I, I, it's just a trope. Like I guess, like you guys were discussing, it's it's a bag of tricks we've seen. I, I don't I don't care to see it anymore. And it, it 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 feels like it's supposed to be this major shocking reveal. And it's almost like okay, so it, it's more about maybe servicing. So like so your favorite character. character
1: might be Impactor because he was always an asshole and he stays an asshole through the whole show.
2: I, I don't know, Im- Impactor, the way his character ends up, like, that bothers me a lot, too. See, th- that's what I don't get. If he, if Impactor made the decision to, to blow away Hubcap, but then he's going to join the same band of revolutionaries that were trying to expose the data that Hubcap had, like... Wh- I- What? That doesn't make any fucking sense. I mean, in that case, why would you shoot Hubcap? Why don't you shoot Prowl in the fucking head, take Hubcap on fucking tours and book signings, and and make everything fucking miserable? Technically, I don't know if Mayhem,
4: like... Actually wanted to release the Ketus data. That was all Tarantulas like black like
1: that was his. That's true,
4: yeah. yeah like
1: because okay. yeah, like, so, like, like, did say at one point it's like we owe him because he hasn't asked us to do so much.
2: So then yeah, like, why why is why why does Mayhem? work for Tarantulas in this thing cuz he 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 you created all their all their
4: tricks and stuff like yeah, their, yeah, their, the, their bio disguises like the the ability to like you know go around unnoticed and whatever
2: But but I mean isn't isn't the goal of mayhem to be faction free and to like Yeah but that's not basically stop if all they weren't stuff. agreeing with his uh, his ideas they
1: were getting shit from him and he was giving shit to them It was like a mutual thing. Yeah, like, I I think it was kind of a mutual, like,
4: working relationship. And, you know, with all the technology that Tarantulas was gifting them, like, you know, every so often he tells them, go get these guys for me. Like, go apprehend these guys or go fight these guys. And, you know, even, yeah, like Tony said, Carnivac says, like, he
2: doesn't ask a whole lot of us, so, like, let's do what he says for right now. No, 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 I mean, I I get that part of it, but it, it seemed like, You know, Carnivac was originally somebody who upheld the Tyrus Accords. He was essentially a cop like Prowl and Ultra Magnus. But in this case, he's not. And it seemed like their goal, I mean, at least uh, unless I'm misinterpreting it, but it seemed like their goal was they're not aligned with the Decepticons. They're not aligned with the Autobots. But anybody from those two factions that was in ruling power at the moment, they wanted out. Like am I am I misinterpreting them? <laughs> well they, they
1: wanted the uh the guys who are going after Trantos out because they're going after their benefactor. I don't think it would have been the Autobots. Uh, they said, they to...
4: said the, the ruling class. So, yeah, like, yeah, I right. Don't, I don't exactly, like, in, in this, well, well, in to current me, Transformers, like, you know, landscape, like, who is the ruling class Well, right th- well now,
2: that's the think. thing. Like, wouldn't it be Starscream and whoever else is in political office? Yeah, but he's on uh, yeah. Sabatron.
4: I, I would just say, in general, it's kind of nebulous. Like, what exactly Mayhem's plans are, yeah, why, you yeah. know, what, 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 carrot they dangled in front of impactor to get him to finally agree to join and you know whatever but like i assume that's for another that's obviously that's for another time basically but uh, i don't know like i do get what you're saying derek but i i like i did not have a huge problem with that so like like i think Mayhem was in this story to be cannon fodder basically. Like literally in some sense.
1: Literally, way. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. 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 A lot of characters were, yeah. I mean, like I mean what I mean, I was gonna ask you guys, what do you think about like the whole idea of the Wreckers? Is because like, this is this is a thing. You get characters you get attached to, like, you know, I stand the wreckers, you know, like whole bunch of uh European like characters that were introduced and they get killed. And I understand that like the Wreckers Philosophy is, you know, we're the last of the last. We had to fight the battles and stuff. But, man, like Derek said, he read this uh, the other night, and he was mentally exhausted. And I assume it's like some of it was because of the depression of the storyline and the deaths. And it is kind of a taxing storyline because I like Stakeout. I like, you know, like some of these characters who got killed even the bad guys, I was like, you know, I was like, oh man, Clawjaw, like, like Derek, like, not, not Derek, but Justin, he like, he, that was my first Transformer from Beast Wars. It's like, oh, Clawjaw, he died. I understand how death works in comics. And I understand that you have to do that for an impact and make the story progress and stuff like that. But man, when you have, like, a new character who doesn't even get, like, a few issues of screen time, like, I like Polar Claw. I'm a I like Polar called of action figure. I thought he was really cool. Does it kind of make you feel bad? Like like Derek has said many times when he buy, buys an action figure, oh, I just bought an action figure who died. Why do I have investment in this now? Because I, I bought a $20, $30, $40 piece of plastic and that character doesn't exist. It's like, damn, that sucks.
2: <laughs> I, I think the read is very grueling in terms of you know, like you're saying, like, all the characters you may or may not be attached to that that die throughout the course of the story. Also, I'm going to mention that characters I'm not attached to, like Verity, who are cockteased to be dying and then they don't fucking die, that kind of annoys me, too, because, you know, I was, like, kind of hoping maybe she'd just, like, die like everybody else and then, you know, you could, like, sort of, you know, wipe her free of, of this whole, you know... Transformer stuff or whatever, but, like, it, it's, like, it's interesting because supposedly, I mean, it, you know, it, like you said, it's it's very ambiguous, you know, the ending, because supposedly, you know, she's there watching the, you know, aura Borealis, and, and, and her and Springer are together, and it's supposed to be all happy, but then at the same time you're like, oh, yeah, there's a, a spider on the tire, and this and that, and the other thing, and, you know, like, Impactor is, like, doing this, you know, Frank Miller Dark Knight Returns thing with the Beast Wars Neo guys as Carrie Kelly and the mutants or whatever, you know, <laughs> like we will plan, we will train, and we will, you know, revolt and this and that and the other thing. And and again, like it's all kind of now. Really <laughs>
4: yeah, now that you said that, I'm gonna hear P- uh, Peter Weller is impact. from, now, from on. now on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's
2: that, that, that's kind of what what I was thinking when I was seeing those beats and 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 it just. I don't know, like, I uh, I, I, I felt kind of strange the way certain things... I mean, obviously, there, there's no real clean, good way that, that something like this could have ended, I suppose. But, you know, that's... I, I guess that's just where all those... those that's sh- the record. Yeah. Crumbled. yeah, you know, like, that's, that's well, basically all right, the let way... Me...
4: Let me let me tell you guys, like, how I see that Osteros, like, reveal. Like, well, first of all, like, what you said about how it's a grueling read. Like, well, like, for me, it wasn't so much a grueling read, but I read it, like, issue to issue, month to month. Between issues three and four, there was a delay of two months. So, like, everyone who had read that issue three had, like, two months to piece together, like, the Osteros thing. And most of us, you know, immediately, like... Looking into the origins of that name, Osteros is named after an Easter festival. And when does Easter take place? In the spring. <laughs> yeah, yes. So, like, most of us had pieced together. That was where the story was going. So, you know, we I had more time to, I don't know, like, process this. And, uh, like, at the end, I kind of liked that reveal. Because it doesn't mean something like... I like you said, Derek, like you were you were not it shocked or impressed or, or if you were shocked you thought it came kinda out of what, like nowhere or you know, like those are the two responses you could possibly have, probably. But what I like the response I had was re examining every interaction Prowl and Springer and Springer and Impactor have ever had and like idw like up until this point that adds like a whole like another couple layers to like both of those relationships
1: and also cup and springer really just springer talking about cup yeah i it's
4: i think it's obvious that springer is unaware of his own origins but like i think it ties into the theme of like sins that come back to haunt you and it seems like by sparing Osteros, like, Prowl and Impact, or have, like, a, a quote-unquote a sin that, like, worked out pretty well, like, you know, or that they can quietly, like, be proud of, basically, because Osteros, yeah. yeah, Osteros, like, they obviously both see Springer as, like, the best of them, like, I think... And even that, that,
1: too. She, like, she got yeah. his side, yeah.
4: Yeah, so, and, I mean, uh, what you said about, like... Osteros, like, not being, like, Springer at all, Derek, like, like, obviously, you just got to assume he was rebuilt, you know, whatever, like, bulked up, whatever Prowl had to do to get him to pass as a real Autobot, but, you know, that's the way I look at it, like, I, it doesn't mean so much to the plot of this story, but it means a lot for the characters,
1: And, uh, and also, like, like, every interpretation of Springer I've ever read, Like, whether it be Marvel or Sunbow or, like, you know, Dreamwave or IDW, they always make Springer, like, a likable person. They make him a good guy. And that is really rare in, like, even IDW Transformers. Like, Octopus has got skeletons in his closet. And, you know, like, you know, Rodimus, skeletons his blue And that that bugs me sometimes. You know, it's like, God, why do you have to do that? But Springer seems to be like a noble heart. He seems to be like a good guy. And, you know, like you said, Derek, you know, the Matrix blue eyes. Like, could Springer be the next big Autobot? I would be okay with that because I like Springer. I really do. So,
4: Justin, do you have, like, any uh, major thoughts on that?
0: On the Springer thing, well, yeah, I think it's dumb. I think <laughs> I think, think, yeah. I think uh, Derek more uh, accurately covered my feelings on that. I think like Derek and I are like secret brothers on that. Totally, it's you know like Oroboros we said it's Simpatico like
2: cool. on on Ouroboros being yes. uh, did, When Mike, when you when you look back on certain interactions, like and you're talking about the layers they add, does it? does it seem to sync up to you? Does it does it fit, or does it yeah. add a layer where you feel like it's a layer of confusion and, and muddies the yeah. interactions?
4: Well, because every time Nick Roach writes Prowl and Springer, they have, like, a completely antagonistic relationship. Like, Springer can't stand Prowl. Prowl's, Prowl's always very patient with Springer. So, like, and you're wondering, like, why does Prowl, like, you know, like... Prowl doesn't tolerate all these other insubordinate Autobots, but he, like, why does he let Springer, like, punch him in the face and, like, you know,
1: mouth off to him? And, I mean, like, I in mean, Spotlight yeah. Cup, he actually gives him leeway to get Cup back.
4: Yeah, like, he, he gives, yeah, he definitely lets Springer get away with things. And, like, at the b- very beginning of this series, he says, like, you know, he names Springer as the one he wants to come and find him, so... Like, a, I don't know, I, I think it adds, like, a lot to their, like, to their relationship. And, uh, like, even Impactor, because obviously Impactor was aware of it, too. So, like, it's almost like, you know, Tarantulas and Prowl might be, like, Springer's parents, almost. And Impactor <laughs> is, like, Springer's, like, big brother or something, so.
1: Yeah. And cup is Springer's dad. <laughs> <laughs>
4: yeah.
2: Well, then, then I guess the, the only thing I can say to that is that, Osteros is a big dumb baby and and Springer's probably a cool adult that I understand why Tony digs him, but I I, I guess I don't I I guess I'm not I haven't processed yet how the big dumb baby became the the kind of cool adult that everybody Which they haven't shown. Have a... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah.
0: Wouldn't it um, just been uh, better if they revealed Ostros was, like, made of waffles or something?
1: <laughs> waffles, waffles everywhere.
4: My god, he's made of waffles. Uh, it'd be funny if Prowl was just like, like, Tarantulas, Tarantulas, like, it, he was never real. He was just a sculpture you made out of waffles. Like, and Tarantulas is <laughs> like, he was real! I, I stuck him together with. I stuck him together with syrup and butter and he was real! I, I just, uh, I, I've just got one like other minor note, and I mentioned it before. Um, wrote Nick Roach gives like the the Buffy speak with Verity, like gets totally out of control in this issue, and I wrote down the most egregious example. Um, when she's explaining the plan to like juice up Tidal Wave to Cup, she says, "Juice blubber chops up, then force Carney the Wolf Boy to take him down with the magic howl of meanness." I'm like, can you seriously not imagine, like, Buffy,
1: Willow, or Xander saying that line? I I did like Verity in this. I mean, I I will go against Derek on that. I think she was a more well-rounded character because she seemed likable because she was sick. And I don't know, like... Six people getting I, better.
4: I, I don't necessarily agree with what Verity does, but I understand why she does it, which is why I like her.
1: And yes. she's a more uh, well-rounded. I mean, and again, like I said, I'm dealing with Jimmy Pink, Hunter O'Neill, and Spike Whitwicky, and I did yeah. GV, Like that's she's the best of those four. I'm, I'm dealing with what I have. You know, I decided to do that. I'll, I'll let you guys definitely like get your any comments. I'll just just say. The Sins of the Records, not as good as Last Stand of the Records. I like the art in the Last Stand of the Records much more. It was much more crisp, like you said, uh, Mike. You know, the coloring was much better, much more fluid. This was really dark. It was it was like it was really weird how Last Stand of the Records was depressing, but it was, like, hopefully depressing, if that makes goddamn any sense at all. Because it, it had comedy. It was funny. I didn't see any jokes in here. I didn't see any, like, levity at all. It was just like, ugh, everything sucks. Last
4: Stand was also, like, a much more straightforward tale of bad guys and good guys, yeah. basically. Yeah, there and wasn't. This, there this
2: wasn't was... I mean, there wasn't really the same, you know, autocracy, primacy, greatness that there is in this, because, like, what are yeah. talking about, you know, they're, you know, essentially, this is a post-faction era kind of landscape, per se. Everybody's
1: and, uh, lost this of humor.
2: <laughs> well, yeah, and you've, you've got all these guys that are, you know, the, the, the protagonists and the antagonists are made up of, you know, essentially the same factions if not, you know, the same race, and you're just kind of sitting there going, okay, well, you know, that's, it, it's not as clear-cut. You can't just say, alright, Overlord's a bad guy, and, and there's something yeah. a lot more, I don't know, cathartic and freeing about something like that as opposed to this where it's it's one of those things where you 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 know yeah okay it opens your mind you can think about things you come to your own conclusions and have thoughts and, and opinions and stuff but ultimately it doesn't really change anything or solve anything and and thus there's no I mean, I don't know. For me, there's there's not a whole lot of catharsis in, in reading something like this. It's it's a process. It, it was it was well done. You know, like, I mean, I, I can't say I wasn't, you know, distracted for, you know, the, the hour or so that I, I I kind of looked over all these issues. But I I don't think it's anything I would come back to or or an experience I would repeat over and over again or anything.
1: Unlike Last Hand of the Records, which you probably read
2: again, probably. Yeah,
1: yeah. Unlike Last Hand of the Records, and this is gonna be probably something people are gonna give me shit about. The deaths were characters I like. Like I like Stakeout. I, I I love fucking Roadbuster. And, you know, there's these characters who die, but in this context of this series, I didn't care as much. And I hate to say that, because, like, Rotorstorm, who is, like, a fucking, like, G2 European exclusive, had a great line before he died. And I laughed my ass off it. It's, it's like a meme in some people's minds. The deaths just seemed to be deaths. Well, I, I
4: would say that, like, the excessiveness and like the overspill of this series is probably due to the fact that like Nick Roach wrote it on his own and like last, last stand of the Wreckers was like a collaboration with him and James Roberts and i think like James Roberts like refined a lot of the plot basically and yeah. this this was a this was a shot of pure uncut Nick Roach so like i that's that's probably where the excessiveness and like the a bit of i'd say overwriting comes from but i mean i'm because because I like Nick Roach's art so much and like I, I actually liked like portions of this series, like I'm probably more apt to defend it than others. And uh I did like the fact that it it's a culmination and a conclusion of virtually every plot point that Nick Roach started from all the way back in Spotlight Cup through to hair. I definitely acknowledge like your the problems like that with this series that you guys have pointed out that I have But I I can, it's easy for me to overlook a lot of that and, like, still say I enjoyed this series just because, like, there's so many elements in play that I was predisposed to like anyway. So that's why, like, I I would give this series, like, a, a, a largely positive review. But, like, I can definitely understand where the negative, like, reviews would come from.
0: Like, I was excited to read this because I so liked Last Stand of the Wreckers, and this was, like, a total letdown in, in every way. Like, it was full of so many things that kind of made me take a break from Transformer Comics to begin with. So when I got into the story, I immediately saw, like, all these things, and I was like, oh, they're still doing this, and I, I've, you know, I've been away for, like, a year, a year and a half, like, oh, okay. <laughs> There were things I liked in it. I liked the inclusion of Beast Wars characters. I like the art. And that's about it. <laughs> I think
1: Roach did a good job with what he had in his head. He wanted to you know, as Mike, you know, informed me, you wanna get a lot of plot points done. You wanted to like end them and put a you know, period on them. Were they to my satisfaction? No. But I'm a fan. I am a person who reads stuff, and if it's not to my liking, that is how it is. But some things I did like, like like Justin said, I love Beast Wars. You know, like Derek said, there was like some you know good like stuff interplaying between you know characters and stuff. Um, I, I'm very middle of the road. I think you know as far as I go, I would read it. I I, I enjoyed reading it, and like Derek, it was exhausting at some points. Actually did have to take a few minutes because it is it is very depressing. But that's not a bad hallmark of a story. When it makes you actually physically drained mentally to where you have to like take a minute, that that's kind of a good story that, that you're invested in it. so I w I I can't I can't say it's bad. Is it what I wanted? No. I, I, I like happy Transformer stories. I'm stupid that way. I'm nostalgic.
4: Derek, do you have any final thoughts?
2: I thought Guzzle got Lenny from Mice and Men, and I was sad to see him get but...
4: <laughs> Look at the waffles, Guzzle. Yeah, exactly. Look at the waffles. <laughs> okay, let's straighten out this mess. So yeah, this has been Transformers Tuesdays. Derek, why don't you do the usual, you know, spiel?
2: If you have any comments, questions, and or concerns, if you want some waffles, Justin will make you some waffles. Uh, You can send us emails at fanholespodcast at gmail.com. We can be found, of course, on the fanholes where you can see all the backlog of our Transformers Tuesdays episodes. In addition to Transformers Tuesdays, we have a bunch of cool spin-off shows such as Sentai Saturdays, Mobile Suit Mondays, Toku Thursdays. Big in japan comic books motherfucker do you read them and of course the fan holes podcast proper we're on all kinds of social media like itunes you can stream us on stitcher radio we're on facebook tumblr twitter instagram so we appreciate all the likes and feedback we receive and i think that is all thank you derek
4: so this is mike
2: signing off made of waffles This is Derek, I used to be a guy named Jack, signing off.
0: This is Justin signing off, because the waffles have already begun.
1: And this is Tony, I just got one word for you. Rule. Rule. Rack rule. Rack and rule.
4: Rack and rule. some mayhem we're <laughs>
1: inconsequential
4: <laughs> i think carnivac's cool i wouldn't i i was hoping that wolfwire toy would, would was going to be remolded into carnivac but we haven't seen anything about that yet
1: oh okay is, is there gonna be anything or just not yet i don't know we don't know yet oh i would not mind like a white yeah yeah wolfwire that'd be cool
4: yeah. we
1: do need a new guzzle toy too yeah, the only one I have is, like, the fucking, uh, God, the, the not the, yeah, transform- yeah, the movie one, yeah, yeah re- Revenge of the Moon, but, or whatever, yeah. Revenge
4: of the Moon, but, re- Revenge of the Moon's
1: Extinction. <laughs> yeah, which wasn't bad, but, yeah, like, yeah, I'd, I'd want to update, yeah. He was so big, though, he was, like, I don't know what Roach was thinking, I mean, I understand, like, the idea, but, damn.
4: He's huge.
2: <laughs> at least at least I know what a waffle is.
0: But wait, what if, like, waffles were actually, like, crepes, and then before that they were totally, like, unknown, like, they were, like, crapheads, and we never knew it. Crap You'd head. have to care about the crapheads.
1: Craphead the crepe becomes Willie the Waffle. I'll go buy a fucking whole box of crapheads tomorrow for breakfast.
0: I wasn't exhausted reading the story, but I'm exhausted
1: after
3: this podcast.